This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Everyone, this is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Happy Independence Day, Mr. and Mrs. America, and all the ships at sea. Or, as uh, this day is known by dogs and cats around the country, the absolute worst day of the year. If for dogs and cats, this day is a combination of Tax Day, Blue Monday, Daylight Saving Time, and New Year's Day after you've partied a little too hard on New Year's Eve. It is great to be here. Uh, I, You know, I was initially a little reluctant to agree to do a show on Independence Day because I don't want to seem like I'm being disrespectful of the holiday or anything like that, but... I view this and the next four hours as a great way to celebrate America, tell you what's happening in America, celebrate a big part of our nation's history. And I also realized yesterday that because a lot of people are off today, you're going to have a whole bunch of folks that normally can't listen to the show live who are actually able to stay up late and listen. So welcome aboard to all of you who are normally asleep right now, but you happen to be awake. And. I want to give a very, very special welcome and hello to our new listeners on the Nevada Talk Network, KNNR in Reno, KDJJ in Fernley, KELY in Eli, KAVB in Hawthorne, uh, KPKK in Amargosa Valley, and KPVM in Pahrumpf, Nevada, the home of the legendary Art Bell for so many years, who was a, a great mentor of mine and somebody that uh, I remain a big fan of. Now, some of you may ask yourself, who've been listening to this show in New York for the last year and a half, and we're blessed to be number one in the ratings in New York in our time slot, and hopefully that'll be the case in Nevada as well. What is going to change for you New Yorkers or New Jerseyans or people that are listening online now that we're airing in other markets, right? What is going to change? Well, we did a lot of research to determine exactly what's going to be different about this show. And as best we can tell, the total number of changes that you can expect are zero point. Zero. This show is not changing one iota. So don't panic. I was getting all sorts of panicked emails. Oh my goodness, the show is national now. It's not going to be as great. Well, don't worry. We're not changing anything. Much to the chagrin of uh, a lot of people, uh, we are going to keep doing the same kind of show we've always been doing. Now, as far as you Nevadans go, and you notice, I say Nevada. That's how you know I'm one of you. It's Nevada, not Nevada. But as far as you Nevadans go, who is this boisterous New Yorker that you're hearing on the radio? What's this show all about? What's the story? Now, I could tell you what the show's all about, but I'd rather you discover it. And in discussing and thinking to myself what to do, what to make the very first thing you hear be today, a couple of thoughts crossed my mind. One, I was thinking, you know, I really have to blow these Nevadans away. We've got to plan something really extraordinary for the first day. We've got to get them hooked and get them hooked early. 
We got, I'm going to call every celebrity that I know. We'll get some celebrity interviews. Uh, we're going to do some really blockbuster contests and giveaways, all sorts of stuff. And then the wisdom of a gentleman by the name of Tommy Barlotta that he imparted to me a couple of months before I got married occurred to me. And I ran into Tommy. I got married three years ago. And I ran into Tommy a month or two before I got married. And we were out at a restaurant or something. And he saw that I was being very health conscious, not eating you know, my typical feast. And he said, what's the matter? Are you sick? I said, no, I'm trying to slim down for this wedding. Tommy said, and this is one of the smartest things anyone's ever said to me. He said to me, you're taking this exactly the wrong approach. What you need to do is gain weight. Gain weight uh, for your wedding. Put on weight. So this way, Years from now, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, when you're looking at photos from your wedding, you're not going to say to yourself, look how thin I used to be. You're going to say, oh, okay, well, I, I, I look just as bad now as I did then. And uh, there is some truth to that, right? Because if we set the bar too high for you Nevada folks, then that's what you're going to come to expect on a daily basis. We can't. That's way too much pressure for me. So instead of doing the greatest show of all time, we're going to do a very good show, a very good show. Now, uh, the other thing that the other thought that crossed my mind, I thought this would be fun, is Alan Combs, who uh, a lot of you may remember from his time on the Fox News channel where he was partnered with Hannity. I remember him as a radio guy. That's to me the, his great strength uh, was as a radio talk show host. He was fine on TV, but to me, his real strength was theater of the mind, especially late at night and uh, especially on the radio. That's, to me, what made him so great. And I remember one day he got a new producer for his radio show and he had uh, this woman on the air and he said to his listeners, call in and explain to this producer, I don't remember her name, why you listen. So rather than me explain to the good folks of the state of Nevada why you know what this show is all about, I thought it might be fun for you to do it. So I'm inviting you, if you've been listening to this show for a while, to call in at 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WA. Excuse me. Sorry. 800-848-9222. You knew that was going to happen once. I didn't think it was going to happen in the first six minutes. But um, so and explain to the Nevada folks why you listen. Now, it could be as simple as Frank is the best thing to cure insomnia since melatonin. It could be there's nothing else on the radio. It could be that uh, I listen because I can't believe any human being actually says the outlandish things that Frank Morano says on a regular basis. Whatever the case may be, this is sort of like an orientation for the Nevada folks. We want them to know what to expect, so I think the best way to do that is for you to call in and tell me why you listen. 800-848-9222. Help out the folks of the Silver State, also the Sagebrush State. See? Multiple state nicknames. How many states can say they have multiple state nicknames? Am I right? So, now, for the Nevada folks, we are going to... You, you ever watch The Office? You remember that episode of The Office where... They merge branches. I think the uh, Connecticut branch merges with the Scranton branch. And Michael, the manager at the office, he brings in all of the new people from Connecticut and he puts them, has them sit 
actually on a platform, literally on a platform, so they're above all the Scranton people. And he said, this is our way of welcoming you by showing you that you're above us. And then one of the people says, shouldn't we all be equal? Michael responds, and he's absolutely right. Not today. So for the good folks of the Silver State, if you call in and let us know that you're there at 800-848-9222, we'll put you to the front of the line. That's, see, who says New Yorkers are rude? Am I right? All right. uh, By the way, we have an action-packed show for you this Independence Day. Independence Day is my favorite holiday. I absolutely love it. I love everything about it. I love that it's a celebration of America. I love that you don't have to go out and buy gifts for people. I love I love that it's kind of a low-key holiday, but it's also very, it's fun. So um, I am going to do a lot of, you know, history stuff throughout the day. We'll look back at some of the things that went on in the run-up to the American Revolution. We'll look at some of the things that's happened in our country over the last couple of hundred years. We got commendations coming up and some other fun show show-related content that you're really just going to enjoy. Michael in New Jersey, why do you listen to this program? Because there were basically three talk show programs <laughs> this time of night. The other two have this doctor who does nothing talk about cancer, 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 and he's the only one who can cure. Basically, you have no competition. You're not bad, but to be honest about it, you're really not that great, but you have nobody competing against you, and that's why I listen. Michael, I love it. I absolutely love it. So uh, for the good folks of Nevada, you heard it from Michael. I'm not bad, but I'm not that great. And the key to the show's success is there's nothing else on that's worth listening to. 800-848-9222. John is in Freehold. Hello, John. Hey, Frank. It's a pleasure as always. Happy Fourth of July. Thank you. You too. uh, I really love this show because, honestly, you cover a wide range of topics. It could be aliens one day, time travel another day, government, local news another day. You always learn something new, and you have great guests, and uh, I always have fun. And you let us call in and talk to you. Well, that's awfully nice thank of you. you. Uh, thank you. That's a lot more enthusiastic than your fellow New Jerseyan had to uh, had to uh, had to offer. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Mike is in Orange County. Hello there, Mike. Hey, Frank. I've really enjoyed your show since I started listening to it. I've been a listener since the beginning, um, but lately I've really kind of. Uh, I just hope you don't do this for you have a have a uh, 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 God darn it um, a, a thing where you have a Kelly Frank Jesus um, a, 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 forget it I can't right. think of a word all right Mike well I appreciate the effort see the, these these are the these are the shows where this is the show where we ask the tough questions not just to not just to guests. But to callers as well. You see, we challenged him. He cracked under the pressure. 800-848-9222. Michael's in Brooklyn. Hello, Michael. How you doing, Frank? I'm doing the great. Single reason. Oh, good. Okay. The single reason that I listen to you is I want to be warned what Curtis Lewa is going to speak about the next day. I mean, he seems to get an axe to grind with you. What's that all about? Oh, I think that's uh, just all in good fun. He's a great guy, and we're very good friends. For people not familiar with Curtis in Nevada, he's the head of the Guardian Angels. Ray recently ran for mayor and uh, did uh, very well. He won the Republican primary in a landslide. And then uh, I think a lot of his warnings uh, to New Yorkers 
have come to fruition about what they could expect from uh, the person that beat him, Mayor Adams. But uh, Curtis and I are very tight. We have been for about 20 years. All good. All good. And he's a, a great American and certainly a great New Yorker. Eddie's in Ocean County. Hello, Eddie. Hi, Frank. Good morning. Um, is these, are these the first other stations that are syndicating your show? Well, yeah, with the exception of uh, 107.1 FM on, uh, on, on Long Island, yes. Yes, yeah, so I'll say the reason why I listen to you, Frank, I discovered you one night when I wasn't sleeping. And ever since then, this is about a year ago, ever since then, I try to listen to you every night because I feel that this show, since it's at such an odd hour, we, I feel like I'm connected to you when I'm listening to the program. We go through the weirdest topics, cover things that you wouldn't hear anything else, and you gain so much knowledge from it. It's like a community. Well, that, 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 I couldn't have said it any better, Eddie. We may, have, uh, we may have to hire you to start writing promos for the station. That was outstanding. Well done. Thank you. Gina's in Brooklyn. Hello, Gina. Hi, Frank. Frank, I listen to you because you're genuine and polite and thoughtful and detailed and friendly and humble and you're entertaining. And when people listen to you, they feel like they know you. Oh, well, that's, that's very kind, Gina. Thank you. Yes, I'm reminded of the axiom that uh, Eddie Cantor passed on to the great Joe Franklin, who said, in this business, sincerity is everything. And once you've learned to fake that, you've got it made. 800-848-9222. Len is in Manhattan. Hello, Len. Hi, I just want to say that I listen to your program because I like the fact you give the listeners a platform on which they can, A, express themselves and perhaps hear some different opinions as well. Well, uh, that's uh, that's very kind. That's, I think we've done a pretty good job giving folks a well-rounded picture of why folks listen. Different topics. You never know what you're going to get. W- w- there's nothing else good on at this time, and <laughs> unless you want to listen to an infomercial. There's um, you know a wide variety of uh, subjects that we cover. And we always have fun. You learn something, as you heard from uh, Eddie there as well. Igor in Fairfield, uh, why are you listening? Why do you listen to this program? Because, Frank, you're this great combination of, of serious questions, great interviews, curiosity, humor, goodwill. It's, it's just a spectacular show. Well, but I just got to call you out on one thing, Frank. Please do. I love everything about the 4th of July. You mentioned the other night you weren't a big fan of fireworks. Yeah, well, that's true. I, I, I'm I, like I don't have an issue with the Macy's fireworks spectacular. Or if you go to a park somewhere, you go to a boardwalk, and there's a big fireworks show. I don't like uh, that um, when you're in a residential neighborhood. People firing off what sounds like anti-aircraft fire in the middle of the street. Well, you know, not only are pets, uh, you know, hiding under couches, but if you ever want to try and sleep, it feels like you're living in Fallujah. I, I, I was trying to. So my son, I put him down to, to sleep around seven thirty, eight o'clock last night. I thought that there was a tank uh, that was blowing up rounds on our block. It was so loud. And all I could think was. If the these noise pollution terrorists wake up my seven month old and he starts screaming, I am going to find whatever whatever stockpile of M80s that are out there, and I am going to destroy these weapons of mass destruction myself. So uh, I I am all for fireworks in terms of uh, putting on a show. I don't like it in residential on, on residential streets and where where there are houses and stuff like that. And you know, I was talking with Rudy Giuliani about this recently uh, because he was the guy when he was mayor of New York City who really cracked down on fireworks and. He he said that he visited Bellevue and it was the worst day of the year in terms of injuries for children. 
So a lot of kids really get hurt by playing with these fireworks. I, I think leave it to the professionals. That's my view. And even even with the professionals, that's not always a guarantee. All right. We're going to continue with your calls in just a minute. This is The Other Side of Midnight. we got commendations coming up and a bunch of other fun things that you're going to really enjoy. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. I'm going to get a scholarship to King's College. I probably shouldn't brag, but dad got amazed and astonished. The problem is I got a lot of brains, but no polish. I got a holler just to be heard with every word. I drop knowledge. I'm a diamond in the rough. This, of course, is from the musical Hamilton, a terrific show. I've never seen the show in person, but I've seen the video of the show on Disney Plus where it's streaming. And uh, if there's ever a day uh, where you might want to watch Hamilton, I think today is today. Today is certainly the day. It's a really a great show, wonderful history, and great music in there. Hamilton, uh, really just such an interesting guy and you know if you read some of the notes from the constitutional convention hamilton who was george washington's number one guy he made a case for having the united states be a monarchy and it went over like a lead balloon and really it the fact that a republic and a, a democratic republic was so new at the time really gives you an appreciation for how great George Washington was because before that, uh, other than maybe Cincinnatus in Roman times, leaders did not leave. They were thrown out or they died. Even King George III said if um, if Washington actually does what he says and leaves, he'll be the greatest, uh, something like the greatest man of all time. And you know what? King George III was absolutely right about that. All right. Uh, next weekend, I've, to- I've told many of you before that uh, I have a, uh, a sister-in-law who is an Orthodox Jew. My, my wife has eight siblings, right? So they were all raised evangelical Christian, all nine of them. But uh, my wife's mother, my mother-in-law, she, even though she's an evangelical Christian, she was born Jewish. So as far as the Jewish folks are concerned, my wife and all of her siblings are Jewish, even though they're not practicing Jews, right? Makes sense? Okay. So a few years ago, my sister-in-law gets more in touch with her Jewish roots. She lives in Israel for a time and has become increasingly more orthodox. Okay. So next weekend is her birthday, and we're going out to her house in Tom's River to celebrate her birthday. And so I'm on this group text message with my wife and her and all of my other siblings-in-law. And she's dating this this new fella who is, uh, you know, going to be at the party. It's the first time all of us are meeting him. Now, I want you to keep in mind, Deborah, that's my sister-in-law's name, she was over at our house last week. When she came in, I kissed her hello, as I would, you know, just about anybody, especially somebody that I'm related to. We hung out, and that's that. So in this group text yesterday, listen to this. 
Um, by the way, she talking about what's on the menu for her party and stuff like that and getting pizza, maybe pasta and salad and ice cream cake. And I have alcoholic ices, you know, okay. So she says, by the way, my boyfriend, and she gives his name. I'm not going to give his name. By the way, my boyfriend doesn't touch girls, including me. And I really shouldn't touch brothers-in-law. So my wife responds Deborah, are you saying you won't hug Frank around your boyfriend? You just hugged him the other day at our house. So um, basically, she said, yes. I said, well, wait a minute. Are you going to hug your actual brothers, your you know biological brothers? She says, yes. Now, I got to tell you, I'm all for respecting people's religious freedom and whatever cultural mores they want to observe. I am, and this is why I'm such a good fit for the good folks of Nevada. I am a live and let live kind of a guy. I'm also a good fit for the good folks of Nevada because I am quite fond of casino gambling. But uh, I am pretty libertarian. You want to do whatever? I don't care. Just don't bother me. I got to tell you, I was so offended by that, that uh, she's sing- singling me out as the one male that's there that she won't hug. I think it's absurd. Maybe you could straighten me out and help me out. Am I right to be offended? I kind of think so. 800-848-9222. By the way, a big thank you to uh, Matt Meany, who is uh, sitting in for our normal uh, engineer, Matt Blaze. Uh, Matt Meany is a very high-powered New York radio executive, and he's he's like uh, in management. And the fact that he's here all day and night and working on our show shows his commitment. Well, Frank, I just want to real quick thank you for that. And I actually thought about this because I knew you were going to thank me <laughs> for coming in and doing this. I was going to I was going to tell you before the show, I was going to be like, all right, Frank, if you thank me for being here, you're suspended for, for the rest of the week. So well, that's one way to get a day off. I didn't I guess. Get, I, yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get to it. But thank you. Yes. Excited for this. Thank you. Uh, 800-848-9222. Ellen is in East Brunswick. Hello there, Ellen. Oh, Frank, this is a real occasion that I'm calling you, but I'm so excited to be able to tell everybody, your new listeners, what's so special about you and your show. So get ready, okay? All right. They're writing Um, it down. People have their pencils sharpened all over the Silver State. Take good notes. Um, Well, first of all, I think your show, and I've said this before, is like Forrest Gump. Remember, you never know what you're going to get. You never do know what you're going to get, and that's one of the things that makes it so interesting. And when you do present different topics, you often give us different sides, and you're never, you never ram your own opinions down our throat. You'll give, you'll give your opinions sometimes, but you allow us to make up our own minds. And, and um, actually, you know, that's really a big compliment to us because you're putting your trust in our intellect. And although I don't think anyone, most people don't match your own intellect. Um, also, your humor, your sense of humor, and your wit, just just wonderful. And finally, um, the fact that you are polite, you never cut people off. Um, it's so refreshing. No name-calling, no everyone that you don't agree with, you don't call them a moron or this and that. I can't stand that. I turn those people off right away. So, um, you know, I'm just a big fan of yours, as you know. But uh, it's a rare phone call. I just had to Go downstairs, sneak away from my husband, and call you. Well, Ellen, you're very kind to say all that. Uh, I appreciate your support and stewardship of the show. I just want to tell you quickly, um, I am not orthodox. I did send you that little 
quick primer mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. kashrut. But I am not. But I did study with a woman who was sometimes if you want to learn, you do that. You study with a partner. And I learned about that practice of not touching people of the opposite sex. I, I understand how you're offended. Even, even I, I yeah, do. brother-in-law. Come on. I'm family. You know, at my own daughter's wedding, I, I invited someone who I'm friendly with who's orthodox. And my daughter went over to her husband to hug him. Forget My daughter also knows the rules. And he backed away. And she was offended. And I understand it. I, I mean, you know, I've, I've come to make peace with it. But I'm actually surprised that Deborah said... She would hug um, her brothers because some people right. don't even do that. I find it so odd. I, it's it's selective. I know. Uh, I know. So when I saw her yesterday, I just bowed at her, even though her boyfriend was not around. I, I bowed uh, to make a show of the fact that uh, there would be no well, touching, she, you know, much like a prison on Arrested but... Development. <laughs> I'm sure she appreciated it. You know, so uh, it's hard. You know, she's around a family of people that. Or, you know, it's so different for them. So it's hard for her. It is indeed. Ellen, thank you for the call. Thanks for your nice words. And uh, thanks for everything. uh, Thank you. you. Your Nevadans are going to love you. Thank you, Nevadans. Nevadans. No, we don't allow any anybody to say the word Nevada. Say Nevada, not Nevada. All right, we're going to continue with your calls in a moment. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. And a look back at what occurred in seventeen seventy six. Hope you are having a great Independence Day. It's only 90 minutes old on the East Coast. And for those of you that are on the West Coast listening, I have seen your future, and it's pretty great. So uh, you're going to love July 4th when you get around to rolling in the day. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. I hopped off the plane at LAX with a dream in my cardigan. Welcome to the land of fame excess. Am I gonna fit in? Jumped in the cab, here I am. The great Miley Cyrus having a party in the USA, which uh, many of you, I'm sure, are doing today as well. You know, if you look at, I could uh, study the Declaration of Independence and the American Revolution all day long and never get bored with uh, all that there is to learn about what occurred there. There's so many interesting things that happened, uh, so many bizarre things. Turns of events. I mean, I I think the by far the most interesting is what happened with Jefferson and Adams. Now, Jefferson and Adams, John Adams, were collaborators on putting together this Declaration of Independence, getting an independence vote through the Second Continental Congress. And then they became bitter rivals, ran against one another for president twice. The election of 1800 was especially acrimonious. And uh, very nearly resulted in the election of Aaron Burr as president. But 
they then redeveloped and rekindled their relationship later in life, and they became sort of long-distance pen pals with John Adams in Massachusetts, Thomas Jefferson in um, in Virginia. But there was still kind of a rivalry there. They had very different views about where the country was headed, uh, how to treat the, the, the new government and all sorts of things. But they stayed in touch. And so they both died the same day. You know what day they both died? July 4th, 1826, the 50th anniversary of the dec- of basically America declaring its independence. They both died the same day on the 50th anniversary of the American Revolution. Isn't that incredible? That's the kind of thing that if you put it in a movie, nobody would believe it. And I, I'm sure you've heard this before if you followed this in any length. But Je- uh, at John Adams' last words were... Now, Jefferson had died a couple hours before John Adams, but obviously there was no text messaging back then. There was no emails. There was no phone calls. So it would take a while for news to travel to Massachusetts from Virginia of Jefferson's death. So John Adams' last words were, Jefferson still lives. Isn't that incredible? And meanwhile, he had just died uh, right before that. I think the thing that I find most remarkable about the Declaration of Independence, though, is what happened to all of the the signers, right? Now, if you look at what became of these guys, they did not have an easy time. Um, they really, I mean, four of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were taken captive during the war, and nearly all of them were poorer at the end of the war than at the beginning. No matter what each of these men did after July of 1776. Oh, by the way, you know, July 4th, we make a big deal about July 4th. The vote on American independence was actually taken not on July 4th, but on July 2nd. July 2nd. So that's technically really Independence Day. And the only, there was John Hancock, the president of the Continental Congress, he signed it on July 4th, and I think one or two others uh, did. But then it wasn't until about August 2nd that everybody else started signing it. And they did it, you know, over the course of a month. It was not like what you see on the back of the $2 bill every or at the end of that great film, 1776, where everybody lines up and they go and sign their name. That's not how it happened. But, you know, you know, it's art and dramatic license. So five of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were captured by the British as traitors and tortured before they died. Twelve of them had their homes ransacked and burned. Two of them lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of the Revolutionary War. Uh, So when when these guys signed this document that said they pledged their, their fortunes, their lives, and their sacred honor, they did. They did exactly that. They were... Uh, they did give up their fortunes, and they did give up, in many cases, their lives. Uh, Thomas McKeon, who I believe was a delegate from Delaware, he was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family almost constantly. 
He served in the Congress without pay, and his family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken from him, and his reward for being a patriot was poverty. So um, Carter Braxton of Virginia, wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships swept from the seas by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts. He died in rags. So uh, you compare that to the kind of person that seeks elective office today, and there's a big difference. 800-848-9222, that's one 800 Nine two two two. John is in Brooklyn. Hello, John. Frank, I'm just calling to tell your new listeners on the West Coast that not only are you a fine radio talk show host on air, but as you and I know, you're also a most gracious host in person. Well, that's very nice of you to say, John. I appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, I, I might add... Uh, regarding the situation with your uh, sister-in-law, it reminds me of an unexpected surprise I got from a woman I know. who's a wonderful violinist. She was performing at an art gallery opening at, at, in the space in uh, Manhattan. And uh, to my surprise afterwards, uh, we, we, she had a little break from performing, and she came up to me. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful how much you've been supporting me for so long. And I hadn't seen her in a year and a half because of COVID. And she said, and she said you know, you deserve a hug. And, and she gave me a good hug. Well, two weekends ago, she got married to a longtime boyfriend. So uh, I'll let you figure that, <laughs> that out. Well, it is what it is, John. Uh, there's a lid- And just to let me conclude, speaking about... Uh, today, uh, I would recommend to your listeners to read uh, books written by one of my college professors, uh, Gordon Wood. He's noted for being our foremost historian on the American Revolution and the drafting of the U.S. Constitution. The reason why I recommend him is because in his, his books, he stresses just how radical the American Revolution really was. Well, uh, thank you, John. I'm glad you mentioned that. And again, my standard recommendation, and I hope to be able to squeeze this in at some point today, at least have it on in the background, is the film 1776. Uh, That, to me, is not only a wonderful musical with great acting, but it's pretty accurate historically, at least as far as musicals goes. It's not perfect, but when you turn, you know, 56 characters into a dozen you know, you have to take some liberties, right? 800-848-9222. Josh is in Teaneck. Hello, Josh. Josh. Hey, Frank. How are you? Good. What's on your mind? Hey, turn off your radio uh, if you would, Josh. I just turned it off. First of all, I want to thank you for your show. Amazing. Oh. Much appreciated. Thank you. Um, number two, I wanted to let you, you know, just put things a little into perspective with your sister-in-law. Um... I happen to be North Orthodox Jew myself, and I used to go to clients all the time, and, uh, you know, I used to shake, their hand, shake uh, the other sex's hands, and um, I was aware that there is some sort of concern with regard to religion as far as, um, you know, contact with the other sex, and just to put things in perspective, like I said, um, 
I was speaking with somebody, and they said, and 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 tell me if you think I'm wrong here, but if there would be an Islamic woman that came along with a burqa and uh, felt awkward to give you a hug or to shake your hand, you probably would not think twice, and you would respect it deeply. Meaning, it wouldn't you wouldn't think twice about it. Is that correct or incorrect? Well, I I, I mean that would be the case with any religion. The difference here, though, is that I hugged Deborah last week when she was over. Again, so I, it, I, it's... I can't, I can't answer, I can't answer for your sister on why she, you know, she was used to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that. to me, it looks like I'm going to call, like it, I'm gonna call she... it a, a, I'm going to call it a temptation or or something she's used to in the social settings. But she may have realized that it may be the wrong thing to do in regard to the right. religion itself. Okay. So your point is, having said that, yeah, ha- having said that. You know, once you understand that it is the religion does not allow for it, and she decided whether it's due to the pressure of the boyfriend or whether she realized she did the wrong thing, at the end of the day, once the religion says it is not necessarily the correct thing to do, as long as it's not hurting you or... uh, No, but believe me, I'll get over it, Josh. I'll I'll get over it. I'm, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. <laughs> Shockingly, yeah. But, but 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 the point is simply that 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 if that religion doesn't really uh, you know feels there is some sort of concern with it, you know, respect it and 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 move on. But but there's no reason for you to take offense to it because at the end of the day, that's what the religion you know that that's what the religion wants to put. Fair, certain, yeah, uh, fair. Um, yeah, I I get it, Josh. Place. I get it, Josh. Thank you. You know, I get everything that you're saying. Couple of things. One. She hugs me when she sees me, right? So it to me, it looks like she's putting on a show for her boyfriend. And I don't think that that bodes well for the future of their relationship. You should be able to be yourself around a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a husband or a wife. You shouldn't feel the need to put on a show, number one. Number two, the fact that she's still willing to hug her biological brothers but not her brother-in-law – I think it smacks of selective adherence to this gender touching rule, personally. But like I said, I'm, I'm pretty much over it. You know, I, 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 I wait until I get on the radio to one vent and, you know, in the passive aggressive manner in which I handle things really hurt people's feelings. I mean, you, you'd have no idea what I'd be saying about uh, Matt Meany if he wasn't working now. I mean, I'm telling you. All right, we're going to continue with your calls in uh, in a moment. Got a lot of fun stuff coming your way, including Commendations, a special Independence Day edition of Commendations. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. So I finally finished. Uh, we knew this day would come, Elginon. It seems like it took a while, and it did. 
Uh, I made a deal with a very close friend of mine about a year and a half ago. He's a lawyer. He's now a judge, actually. And I made a deal with him. I said, listen, you need to watch Boston Legal. It is a great show. You're going to love it. Shatner's great in it. James Spader is great in it. Rene Aubergenois is great in it. Uh, John Larroquette, Betty White. It's a wonderful cast. It's just great. I, I know you're going to So he makes me make him a deal where I had to agree to watch his favorite show, which I've never seen, The West Wing. Well, on Friday, I finally finished The West Wing. And I watched all seven seasons. Took me about a year or so, maybe a little more. And I must say I enjoyed it. Uh, some of the stories are a little silly. Some of the uh, first two seasons, while they're very good, I, uh, look, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat, so I'm not rooting for any political party. But I found the anti-Republican and anti-conservative bias in the first two seasons just kind of smacks you in the face. You know, one of the things I like about um, the show Veep, not only is that it's hysterical, but they don't go and set, make one side the best party ever and the other side a bunch of losers. West Wing did do that early on. The worst thing you could be is is conservative in that world. That being said, I have to tell you, the acting on this show is phenomenal. Even the weaker seasons once Aaron Sorkin left, the the show is worth watching because of the acting. If you haven't seen it, I do recommend it, especially if you're um if you're too if, if you're into government and politics and public affairs because while it, it might it's not exactly realistic in some respects veep is more realistic than the west wing it is somewhat realistic the, the thing that i guess i find most unrealistic is how uh, how competent everybody is from top to bottom everyone knows what they're doing they all excel at their job meanwhile Government, as I understand it, is much more like Veep, where it's just total chaos. And so, but I enjoyed it. I think Alan Alda is great in the later seasons. Uh, Jimmy Smith's Martin Sheen, obviously, is terrific. It's a wonderful, wonderful cast, and they all do a a great job. John Spencer, who was great in The Rock, he uh, is one of the stars of the show. So I enjoyed it. So uh, I'm glad that's finally over. I feel like I, I accomplished something by finishing it all. All right. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Robert in Manhattan. Hello, Robert. Hi, Frank. How are you? Great. Um, I wanted to talk about the whole sister-in-law hugging thing. One of the things that you neglected to mention, which really would have filled in the blanks, was is the boyfriend a Jew, a conservative Jew, or an orthodox I, I believe he's orthodox. Okay, so basically, the bottom line here is she did this for his benefit. I mean, if she hugged you in your house uh, a few days before, this was all done for his benefit. Right, right. Uh, but this, but this uh, let, let me give you a, a, a prognosis. This is not going to last. I mean, she started by dabbling. She's interested in Judaism. She went to Israel. But you know what it takes to be an Orthodox Jewish wife, keeping a kosher kitchen, doing the mikvah and all the rituals? Forget it. And the fact of the matter was, I don't see how there's going to be any emotional attachment if he won't even touch her. I see this relationship Well, I imagine nowhere. once they're married, if they get married, then the touching will commence. That's not going to happen. 
You don't think so? That's not going to happen. Right. I don't think you can afford a, a, a woman who has lived her life as as a, raised as evangelical outside of that religion. Her whole life is suddenly going to be able to change that way. Well, and, yeah. um, and I don't see relationship developing without any tactile contact between the two of them. Uh, you might be right, but it does happen. It does happen in um, not only the Orthodox Jewish community, but in a variety of other communities as well. All right. Um, hey, coming up in a minute, those of you that are on hold will still get to you. But um, are you going to a barbecue today? Were you invited to a barbecue today? I'm betting many of you are, and the answer to that question is yes. If you are, how do you know what to bring? In the words of the great Bob Barker, help control the pet population, have your dog or cat spayed or neutered. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. everyone this is the other side of midnight happy independence day and look independence day is certainly about celebrating america it's about fireworks it's about having a good time but i guess because of where july 4th falls on the calendar and it's a time when it's hot out and people like to dine outdoors and especially surround themselves with swimming pools the barbecue And the Independence Day celebration have sort of become synonymous. In fact, aside from when I've been working, I don't know that there's been an Independence Day where I haven't been invited to a barbecue of some sort. Tell And now, because Independence Day falls on a Monday this year, and it's a three-day weekend for a lot of people, I think a lot of people ultimately ended up having barbecues on Sunday – And Saturday, in addition to Monday, because it's like you could stay out late and stay up late on Sunday night and, uh, you know, without having to worry about getting up to go to work. Tell me if this conversation sounds familiar. Ready? John, John Q. Public invites you to a barbecue. Hey, why don't you and your wife come by? Uh, We're going to be having people over. We got a swimming pool. We'll be there around two o'clock. Come, just come. Okay, great. I'll be there. What should we bring? You don't need to bring anything. No, I want to bring something. You don't need to bring anything. Sound familiar? I feel like I've been on both ends of this conversation repeatedly. Uh, Because if you're hosting a barbecue, chances are pretty good, especially if you're expecting a lot of people. Chances are pretty good that you've overprepared, that you have all sorts of food, all sorts of beer, all sorts of, you know, hard seltzer is the new thing now for the last five years or so. Hard seltzers have exploded in popularity at July 4th barbecues. I've noticed that. So what do you do? What do you bring? 
If you're going to a barbecue today and the host says, don't bring anything, what do you do? How do you react in that instance? 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. I will tell you, uh, in, I make people give me something. My wife and I were at a, a barbecue yesterday. We brought vodka and a salad. But I don't even think it got open. And that's fine. You know, it's, it's your contribution to the, to the host's, you know, perpetual entertaining. And then uh, I'm going to another one today. And I made the host give me a name, give me a term, give me something. He says, all right, why don't you bring a bottle or dessert? I said, okay, all right. But I find that for whatever reason, these parties on July 4th, there is this kind of stalemate where people are looking for direction on what to bring, and they get nothing. From the, whoever's hosting this party. I'm curious if you've observed that, number one. And number two, what you end up bringing. Because this, I was at a, a barbecue yesterday, as I mentioned, and this was the topic of conversation. Is how do you know what to bring if the host is not helpful in telling you what to bring? 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Brian in Stanford, Connecticut. Hello there, Brian. Hey, good morning, Frank. Um, I just wanted to mention to the Nevadians, um, I've been listening to this show now for about a year and a half, and one thing that you had mentioned around uh, when Rush Limbaugh died was that you're not like any other show where they're just going to talk politics and that's it. That's pretty much what people want here all day, every day. What I love about your show is you'll talk UFOs. You had the um, casino report, the Atlantic City report. Um, which no other talk show, as far as I know, does, and that's very interesting. I've actually started getting into UFOs and stuff um, more while listening to this show, and I'm actually going to be start reading the uh, Houdini book that was mentioned last week. Oh, great. Wonderful. I'm, uh, you made my day. I'm happy to hear that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Brian, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for being a supporter of the show and for uh, sharing your wisdom with us and with the listeners, our new listeners in the Silver State. Not a problem. Thank, Thank you, you, Brian. Uh, 800-848-9222. Roger is in the land of John Adams, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Hello there, Roger. Yeah, hi. Thanks. Um, the, the, the reason I listen to the show is um, because uh, mostly, mostly because I, I learn a lot. I find out, you know, that I learn a lot, almost at least a little something, you know, Every night. Um, mainly one of the things is, is that uh, you make it very, very palatable to look at things from all sides and not just one side, and, which I, you know, have done a lot. So that, that, that's, uh, I find that to be a help for me. Um, everything uh, Ellen said about the way you treat people uh, professionally and no name calling. And also, when you do your, your interviews, they're also very professional. And the questions that you uh, uh, ask seem to be very, very well thought out. So those, and of course, the variety of subjects that the last call just mentioned. That, that's basically the reasons why I uh, uh, listen. And the barbecue thing, I haven't been in that situation. Um, usually it's the same people whenever we do have, whenever there is something like that. And we all just... 
All right, all right, Roger. Thanks for your nice comments. I appreciate that. You know, it's funny. Today, uh, yesterday was my mom's birthday, but um, we thought she was going to have to work, so we made plans to get together uh, today on Monday, on the Fourth of July. So I'm going to spend once I wake up. You know, I'm going to spend a big portion of the day with uh, with my mom, and we'll do a barbecue or something at her house. But then I think I got invites to two or three other barbecues. So I am probably going to make an effort to stop by at these barbecues. And what do you do? You bring a six pack? Do you bring a bottle of wine? Um, is it, you know, I mean, you got to bring something, right? So is there like a, a creative go-to item that you're always bringing to a barbecue that's that maybe, especially something that people wouldn't think to bring? But that always goes over big. Curious what you think. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Eric in Manhattan. Hello, Eric. Hey, Frank. Um, I think, well, if you've been to their parties before, maybe think back to what they ran out of. I say bring a few things, too. Like, um, you can't go wrong in a way. But something practical, even a board game. You know what I mean? Like, because chances are you might end up being a hero. Like, you could say, you could tell the guy, the host, um, you know, I brought this, I brought that just in case, you know. Um, a board game? That's interesting. Yeah, you never know. Because there's a lull in the party and the, you get a good game going or something. And, you know, people will watch or they might want to join in. You know, it depends. You know, it's funny. I w- we, my wife and I went to a party yesterday and they asked us to borrow uh, our ladder ball. Well, you know, we have ladder ball and we have cornhole. <laughs> but they never ended up uh, using it. They never ended up putting it out. So well, it's better to have it and not, that's and not true. need it. You that's know what true. I mean? So. I, I like that. See, that's a creative suggestion, a board game. That's the kind of thing yeah, I'm looking yeah. for, an out-of-the-box uh, suggestion. You bring a few because there's a small little box, you know, just pile up a few. You know, you never know. You know what I get worried? I'm a little – I am I have a few um, OCD-type tendencies, and I wouldn't say – and certainly my wife <laughs> wouldn't say – Right. Yeah, you lose well, that, that's game. exactly. So you knew what I you knew where I was going. I would get worried. Like, let's say you bring Monopoly or Risk. Let's say there's a gentle breeze. Where's the car? Where's the Monopoly? Yeah, car? no. I, I mean, I would get very nervous about think of that really, losing yeah. these pieces outdoors. I like the spirit, though. I might bring. You know what I might do? I might bring a wiffle ball bat to some of the parties that I'm going to today. But then you also then wonder: Is it your you're trying to? hoist your recreational beliefs on the host of the party. You know, I I, I, I kind of see both ways. 800-848-9222. Barry is in the Queens. Hello, Barry. Hi, Frank. How are you? I'm great, Barry. Happy Independence Day. Oh, same to you and your family. Everybody should enjoy. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Barry, what is on your mind this Independence Day? Well, Frank, going to the barbecue thing, I, I would say you could never go wrong with a chocolate babka. <laughs> what if they're out of chocolate babka? Do I grab the cinnamon babka? You got it, baby. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Joe is in Queens. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank. Happy Independence Day. Uh, well, the, the way I play this in the past is I get like, like – kind of exotic health drinks or exotic health snacks from like a health food store or the whole food section where they have exotic stuff. And they always get consumed, even if the people are beer drinkers.
drinkers and, you know, sugar eaters. For some reason, they always get consumed. So I'm doing something that's like slightly off-center, and, you know, it still seems like there's always people there that will, will take the products and, eat, and, you know, eat them, basically, or drink them. You know, so that's what I do. Even if they say don't bring anything, uh, that's what I do. I like that. That's a good one. And a friend of mine, Bill Marco, just sent me an SMS text message, and you can send me an SMS text message if you want at 816-8Morano. That's 816-8M-O-R-A-N-O. He said bring Ralph's Ices which I think is a very creative suggestion because there's a million flavors. They always go. They always get consumed. That's good. You know what, though? On a day like today, when it's going to be hot out and a lot of people are off from work, can you imagine what the line is going to be like at any Ralph Slice's shop? It's going to be around the block. So the question is, I'm trying to think, do I want to put myself through the difficulty of waiting in that line when... It's going to be rough. 800-848-9222. Tom's on Staten Island. Hello, Tom. Hey, hey, Frank. I usually bring, believe it or not, Zeppelin's. I used to always go before when Gennaro's used to make them. I used to always go to Brooklyn and bring them hot. And what happened is they stood fresh. I would tell the guy, don't put them in, uh, don't cover them, leave them open. And people love them, old people, young people. So that's what I would do. All right, uh, I, that's uh, that's not bad. It, that's and creative. You know kids like them, adults like yeah. them, and it's you know it's almost like a, a dessert, and everybody goes crazy because oh, I don't have to go to the feast to get them, and it's always a big hit. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Tom. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Michael in New Jersey, what say you? Yeah, hi, uh, Frank. Uh, this would be self-serving if I actually did it, so I'm really being facetious. But I would bring whatever it is that I like. And the, my wife would like food and drink. So if they don't have it, at least they can enjoy the food and drink. And if they do have it, they'll have something good left over. See, I like this. Wait, so what do you drink, Michael? I'm not, you know, a big drinker, but I would probably bring a bottle of Tangeray and some tonic. Pretty basic. But okay. Not, you know, Fourth of July party, you know, and, and I think a lot of people like that anyway. <laughs> and food. I'd probably make some nice fresh roasted peppers, a little bit of fresh mozzarella, and bring it separately on ice. Anybody's going to eat that. Yeah, uh, well, that's uh, that's pretty good, Michael. That sounds good. I'm actually getting hungry now. Uh, Fugazi Tom in the Bronx. Hey, I would um, if I knew what they like to eat, like a certain cheese or a certain meat, you know, a deli, some kind of cold cut or something. I would bring them maybe a pound or more of that slice. Use them as appetizers, you know, something that they won't get full on, but they can, you know, just eat off of while they're waiting, you know? You know, so, you know, let's say you don't know the host's sensibilities. You're going to a barbecue, there's standard barbecue fare, they're going to have hot dogs and hamburgers and so forth, um, and you don't know of any specific type of uh, fondness for a specific type of cheese or anything. Then what do you do? Do you just get a random appetizer tray? Um, yeah, you could like a, a, a different, a tray with different kinds, different kinds of cheeses, okay. different kinds of meats, you know, something that you can make look a little, a little, you know, pretty, but you know, it have a little something for everybody. You know, that's, you know, that's like, a good, uh, that's a good point. Um, and you know what I'll add, you made me think of this yesterday, my wife and I stopped at a party where the hosts don't eat cheese. They don't like cheese. So. 
that would have been a good party to bring cheese to. Because on the couple times that we've been there before, there's no cheese. And you try and get a cheeseburger, it's very, very difficult. Uh, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Now that we are airing in Nevada, sort of, we are going to have a look at what exactly is happening at Area 51. If you have thoughts, let me know. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. I walked through a county courthouse square on a park bench, an old man was sitting there. I said, your old courthouse is kind of run down. He said, no, it'll do for our little town. I said, your old flagpole is leaned a little bit. And that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat. And I sat down. Is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. The great Johnny Cash, ragged old flag, one of the great uh, patriotic songs that's always worth listening to, this or every Independence Day. Uh, So, by the way, speaking of Independence Day, the film Independence Day is something that I remember seeing in theaters when it came out. When did it come out? I want to say 97, 98, right around there. 96. Um, it was a good film. 96, yeah. It's a fun film. Will Smith and Aliens. If you're new to the show, by the way, we talk a lot about Aliens, right? It's fun, but it's also interesting, and it's one of the great mysteries of the universe, what's going on. But anyway, in the, this film, the original Independence Day, I didn't see the sequel, but you have Bill Pullman, who plays the president, and you have Jeff Goldblum, who's a scientist, and you have uh, Jeff Goldblum's father is played by Judd Hirsch, who's just terrific. And essentially, the president learns, once aliens come here, that Area 51 is real, and it's a place where they actually have alien specimens. And even the president's mind is blown. With this. So, anyway, um, it got me thinking now that we're airing in the part of Nevada where Area 51 actually is, what's at Area 51? What do you think? 800 848 9222. You will, uh, of course, if you're familiar with the film, remember this classic scene from Independence Day. 
You said you can repair their technology. Can you tell us anything useful about them? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, I mean, they're not all that dissimilar from us. Breathes oxygen, comparable tolerances to heat, cold. Probably why they're interested in our planet. Hey. Hey. You guys want to see them? Uh, this is this is the vault or as some of us have come to call it the freak show suits but once we got them off we learned a great deal about their anatomy eyes ears no vocal cords we're assuming they communicate with each other through some other means you're obviously not thinking about uh, hand signals and body language uh, it's some kind of extrasensory perception telepathy so it's an organic life form Can they be killed? Well, their bodies are just as frail as ours. And these two died in the crash. Uh, this one a few weeks later. You just you have to get through their technology, which is, I'm sorry to say, far more advanced. David, you unlock part of their technology. You break the code. Oh, no, no, no. Hall, I never stumble onto their uh, signal. I don't know how uh, helpful I can be. Why don't you show them what you've discovered so far? Figure out what they haven't thought of yet. And we'll see if you're as smart as we all hope you are. So it got me, I rewatched that scene today, and it got me thinking, what do you think is there? Uh, do you think there actually are aliens there? I mean, we know Area 51 exists. I think it's uh, been it's been um, acknowledged as real by the military but I think the general consent, I don't think there are aliens at, at Area 51. Although, you know, I'll be honest, in talking with Jeremy Corbell about the situation involving Bob Lazar, eh, he makes a pretty good good case. I tend to think of uh, Area 51 as a place that is really focused on experimental military technology. I remember when I was in Las Vegas, I saw the airport from Mandalay Bay, the Hotel Mandalay Bay, and you know there's this area where you can, you know, basically a, a terrace and you could see the airport. And the guy that hosted me points to these unmarked airplanes at the airport and he says those are the planes that are going to Area 51. I said, "How do you know?" He says, "I just know." And there are these unmarked planes which do go to Area 51. By the way, speaking of space, uh, those of you that are sky watchers and space watchers will be uh, happy to know that we are in store for another supermoon coming up. That's three in a row so far for those keeping track. July's full moon will once again be a supermoon. 
reaching its perigee or closest point to our planet on July 13th. So the moon will be relatively close to Earth in its slightly elliptical orbit, making it appear just slightly bigger and brighter than usual. The buck moon or thunder moon will officially reach its peak on July 13th uh, at uh, 2.37 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. And so I'm uh, I'm excited about that. The supermoons are always a nice sight to behold. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Um, there is one other story related to space that I did want to uh, that I did want to cover. There was an interesting story about which states are actually seeing UFOs and which ones aren't. So this was in the Chicago Tribune headline UFO over Utah. These states report the most sightings of unidentified flying objects. Which do you think it is? What states do you think have the most UFO sightings? Well, I'll tell you which has the least UFO sightings. It's actually not really a state, but the District of Columbia, our nation's capital, has the least. And then if we're counting only proper states, it's North Carolina. I wonder why that is. I would have thought North Carolina, with all the open spaces and not a lot of skyscrapers, I would have thought they would actually have a lot of UFO sightings uh, because you could just see more open space. You know what the number one state is? This will come as no surprise to many of you. California. California has the most UFO sightings, followed by Florida. So uh, California... Uh, had has had 10,333 UFO sightings. It's no surprise that uh, the state with the most UFO sightings is also home to the annual Contact in the Desert, which is the world's largest UFO conference. I'd like to get there one year. Maybe we'll do the show from there. The event generally features speakers, all sorts of panel discussions, lots of opportunities for stargazing, and a steady stream of believers ready to share their experiences, many of which have been captured on camera. So that's in the uh, Chicago Tribune. I'm going to link to that on my um, my Facebook page if you want to see where your state ranks. Uh, Facebook.com slash MoranoFan if you want to read the article and see how all 51 states plus the District of Columbia are ranked. 800-848-9222. Andy B. is in Staten Island. Hello, Andy. Hey, Frank. Congratulations to you and a little bit me. Absolutely. I have to tell everybody what's so important about you. Okay, I'm ready. You're a classic. You're probably one of my number one, two, or three favorite radio hosts. You bring us all the way back to Bob Grant, straight ahead. I go crazy when you say straight ahead. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. you working with Bob at the end of his career. That's right. That's right. I miss him. He was a great guy, and uh, I miss him a great deal. And, and I have the song, The Other Side of Midnight. That- been making Curtis's head spin around the <laughs> Yeah, you may have to update it now for a national audience, Andy. I thought about that too, and we have to get together. So I'll look forward to that. Nude version, like a remix. Yeah, I I love it. Happy Independence Day, Andy, and uh, hopefully you're doing something fun today. Take care. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. In a moment, we I'll tell you how I spent my Saturday night, which was. 
pretty exciting, if I don't say so myself. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Marano. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano. All right, all right. That's what I'm talking about. Now, everyone, give it up for the maid of honor, Angelica Skyler. A toast to the groom. To the groom. To the groom. To the groom. To the bride. To the bride. To the bride. This is another terrific song from uh, the musical Hamilton, uh, which is available on Disney Plus if you haven't seen it yet. It's well, it's really well done. It's great history, it's great music, and it's a great story. And it happens to be mostly true. So you could uh, certainly check that out. By the way, uh, for our listeners in the New York area, you are in for a real treat uh, because uh, from 6 until 10... Uh, our our owner, John Katsimatidis, will be in for Bernie and Sid, and I will be sitting in with him, I think, for the first half hour or so. So I think all of us are probably going to pitch in. I know Dominic is going to be on for 20 minutes as well, so it's going to be, it should be a lot of fun. And for people outside of the New York area, you can certainly listen on WABCRadio.com uh, to hear uh, John Katsimatidis, whose insights into the oil situation are worth the price of admission alone. Now... I am a guy. I don't watch a lot of television. I like television, but um, I, I prefer radio, and I, I don't really necessarily have a great deal of free time. So I usually will watch one TV show at a time. Usually I'll watch one individually, and then my wife and I will watch one together. So I finished The West Wing. So I said, all right, let me resume my watching of Ozark, which is a great series, and it's a series, it's on Netflix, Jason Bateman, Laura Linney, it's just wonderful. So I, um, Saturday night, my wife uh, had to drive back and forth from Long Island, so she was tired, she went to bed early, and I said, all right, let me watch an episode of Ozark. So I pour myself a big glass of bourbon, like a basically a double serving, while I'm watching Ozark. And then I said, all right, well, that was, that was pretty good. Let me watch just one more. And, of course, this is how they hook you. They all end with these remarkable cliffhangers. I said, all right, let me watch one more. And I, every time I put an episode on, I insisted it was going to be the last one that I watched. And every time, I poured myself a, a big glass of bourbon before watching the episode lo and behold i ended up watching i think six hours straight of ozark i didn't get to bed until around 4 a.m sunday morning now it's not unusual because of the hours that i keep during the week for me to be awake at that time usually i'll listen to uh you know a, a radio program that's on uh at that time but i was so invested in ozark that i just loved it and I got to I haven't finished the season yet, but um, I am loving this most recent season, which I think is the last one. And I'm glad they're doing it because it's you really don't want a show to stay too long. You know, we've chronicled this before uh, shows or individuals or personalities that leave while they're on top. 
And I think Ozark is leaving at exactly the right time. There are other great shows that stay too long and they get spoiled. You know, the best example that I could think of in recent memory is Ray Donovan. Ray Donovan started out as a great series. And by the end, you're just hoping somebody will put it out of its misery. It got so terrible towards the end of that run. Ozark, if this most the episodes that I've seen so far are any indication, that show is still at the top of its game. But the point is, I didn't get to bed until about 4 a.m. on Sunday morning, and I was smashed. I was smashed because I would pour myself one of these bourbons until I finished almost the whole bottle of Buffalo Trace. So then I woke up. I ended up sleeping super late on Sunday. We, uh, I s- slept through church, unfortunately. I'm not proud of that. But I was woken up, I guess around a quarter after 11, by my wife and my son. And see, she knows that when I start my day being woken up by young Carmine, that it's, it's, it's always – that's a good way for me to wake up. Even if I'm still a little tired, just seeing him, it, it puts me in a good mood. So that was my wild Saturday night, staying up by myself, <laughs> drinking bourbon, and watching Ozark. Hopefully – Whatever you did is something that can compete with that. Um, 800-848-9222. We got denunciations coming up in about 20 minutes. And then we'll get into, you know, today is one of the biggest sporting events of the year. That's right. The Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest in Coney Island. It's going to be broadcast around the world live on ESPN. And it's uh, Joey Chestnut. Apparently, he's still a heavy favorite to win, but he was on crutches this week. So it has a lot of people speculating that maybe this will be the year that Joey Chestnut loses that mustard-colored yellow belt of supremacy once and for all. I suppose we will see. All right, uh, 800-848-9222. We'll, We'll take your calls on anything and everything. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Denunciation's coming up in 15 minutes. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. That is the great Rick Derringer singing about why it's so great to be an American. You know, um, I'm sure some of you saw that poll, uh, which shows a lot of people essentially down on America. And look, I I get sometimes politicians disappoint you and uh, you might not be happy with this politician or that politician. Ultimately, this is still a pretty great country and it's really the only country in the world That people, as you saw with that tragedy in Texas, the only place in the world that people literally die trying to come here. So uh, I really think that um, today and every day, but especially today, 
you, we all really ought to appreciate how lucky we are to be Americans and be in this country because, um, you know, it's still, for all its faults, a pretty neat place. Hey, uh, by the way, so one thing uh, I was inspired to mention this because people called earlier and said how nice I was and uh, how I don't call anybody names. In my While I was watching Ozark and drinking bourbon, it's never a good idea to drink and tweet, okay? I, in fact, you know, they should make phones have a breathalyzer function that if they detect your blood alcohol level is over, say, 0.15, you shouldn't be able to text or tweet or email. Because I can't tell you how often this has gotten me in trouble. And so I ended up tweeting something about some local New York political figures. And, you know, it was a true reflection of my beliefs, but it was a reflection of my beliefs at 3 a.m. Sunday morning after I've been drinking bourbon for four hours. So um, I called a couple of people uh, losers, which is so uncharacteristic that I would publicly call them losers. So I ended up deleting it when I saw all the responses to it. But um, so I felt bad about that, that it was up there. So for anybody that saw that tweet, I am – that's not my style. But, you know, you have one too many and sometimes that happens in the world of Twitter. Hey, by the way, you heard um, that great uh, promo that uh, that we played for the Racket Report. The Racket Report, if you're not familiar with it, is this podcast that I do. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. It's um, you just search the racket report and you'll see, you know, see my picture and it comes up. Please subscribe to it. We just dropped on Friday the latest edition of the racket report. And my guest this week was a, a restaurateur by the name of Stratus Morphigan, who's been in the restaurant business his whole life, essentially. And the focus of our interview, he's got a new book out. It's about a lot of things. It's about business. It's all sorts of things. But the focus of our interview was his dealings with the mob and how these two gangsters that he was friends with helped him when he was extorted by some other gangsters that he wasn't friends with. And we spent a little bit of time talking about how he essentially grew up in his father's restaurant in Queens, I believe, and he got to know Carlo Gambino, the namesake of the Gambino crime family. So um, listen to listen to a little bit of our discussion, and then if you want to hear our full interview, just search the Racket Report, or um, you can just you know go to wabcradio.com and find the Racket Report on there. This is Stratus Morphigan on his relationship as a young person with Carlo Gambino. We'll get that for you in a second. But Tell me, what was the relationship that you had, even as a six-year-old, with <laughs> Carlo Gambino? Yeah, it was like 1973. I was six years old, and I would always see every time this short, diminutive man would walk in, he gained so much respect from all the staff, my father included. Had his special table, was there a couple of nights a week, always coming with five or six guys, and they would sit in the back. To me, I saw him as a nice old man, and I started hearing how the managers were talking with my father, get Mr. Gambino this, get Mr. Gambino that, make sure he's got his table. So I walked up to him as a six-year-old because I was very social, and I, and I started pouring water as a chubby little busboy, and I said, you know, good evening, Mr. Gambino, and the whole table just stopped talking. I mean, it was like silence. I still remember it like it was yesterday. And I looked, and I said, wow, what did I do? And then Mr. Gambino says, come here, kid. I sat right next to him. He put his arm around me. He slips a $20 bill in my pocket. 
And he goes, hi, it's good enough. I'm like, wow, what? I mean, I guess he's giving me money, so I didn't do anything that bad. Sure. But I, didn't, I had no clue what that meant. It was my first lesson in discretion in owning a restaurant. And what a lesson it was to be taught by Carlo Gambino. So if you want to hear the whole discussion, it's really interesting. He has such a tremendous presence about him, this guy. I'm going to check out his uh, restaurant. I think it's called uh, – he's got a, a couple of them, but I'm going to check it out. He was really, I was impressed with this guy. I might invite him back on uh, because he has a lot to say in this book, not just about the mob, but about being Greek, about the restaurant business. 800-848-9222. Terry is in Ossining. Hello, Terry. You're not calling from the prison up there, are you? No, I am not. I, I live at the top of a hill in Austin, New York. Um, listen, I, you know, I wanted to come. I called Paul once before. I, I'm, I'm not even sure who I'm speaking to. This is from Milano. Uh, uh, when last seen? Oh, okay. Well, I called you a couple of weeks ago. We started talking about the microwave weapon, and the, the phone call got cut off. I, I, I didn't never get finished hearing what happened with that, but whatever. If they discovered what that was. Um, can I just ask you quick what your conclusion was about that thing? I, They're trying to say it was a microwave weapon? You know, um, r- remind me of, uh, I, I, you know, I, I'll be honest, I've forgotten what we were talking about, Terry. We, you know, we... There's this thing on the news I saw several months ago about there's a Havana syndrome. Oh, 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 yeah. So, I mean, the short microwave. answer is, the short answer is nobody knows, right? I, I am okay. skeptical. And, you know, the thing that was so interesting to me about the Havana syndrome situation was the rush to blame Russia. We knew almost nothing about it. Some diplomats and some CIA folks were experiencing some some head injuries and some some ill effects. And immediately before anybody even knew what it was, we were all saying, oh, yes, but we think the Russians are responsible. So I, I don't know that we know for sure what exactly has happened. I've interviewed people that have that have suffered with this Havana syndrome. I don't think they're faking it. I think they're very sincere in being injured. I just uh, I'm not ready to chalk it up to some sort of mysterious new w- microwave weapon. But honestly, Terry, I have no idea. Okay, the, the only thing was, what I started to say, too, was and then the phone call got cut off. I lost the signal. Very suspicious. It, something on the news said something about crickets were causing them. I saw, I saw that on TV. They said they're, they're crickets. Yeah, no, I, I saw that as well. Uh, the bottom line is we don't know. We don't know what it is. Yeah, okay. But anyway, I, you, know, I, 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 you know, I've always been fascinated since I was a kid with, with aliens and stuff. And, you know, I, I can give you one situation. Um, it, was, it must have been around 1981 or 82. Times were different, you know, for all the people, on kids in Austin, you know, teenagers, go down to the train station, hang out, and, you know, drink some beers. Nobody really bothered us as long as we were quiet. But one day I was late, and a lot of friends were down there. Fortunately, I guess they were all a little, you know, bombed a little bit. But, you know, I walked down there, and I, I had some beer. I went down there, and all of a sudden, I looked across the river near New City, which is across from Austin. And I looked up. I saw a uh, a, a uh, V-shaped uh, with five red lights, you know, and I was, it was just sitting there. So I started asking people. I said, doesn't that bother you guys up there? And they all looked at it. Oh, I don't know what it is, you know. And it didn't move. You know, it just sat there. So what do you think it was, Terry? You know, somebody said something like, well, it's, it's planes in formation. I said, it can't be planes in formation. It's not moving, you know. And um, yeah, I'll give you another wild experience. One time I was on a plane. I, I can't, you know, and the thing was, you couldn't talk about it. If you said it, everybody was like, nuts, you know. But I, but that particular one I looked on YouTube not too long ago, and I saw somebody claim they came out of a church nearby, and they think they saw the same thing. 
And what's weird is you go to the Austin train station. I, I don't know what the coincidence is, but there's this arch. Some some architect built an arch. And I was down there one day. I was like, they, they have this little, this like crystal thing. It's a weird looking sculpture. I was like, you know, that thing's like pointing right where I saw that thing years ago. And I don't know who the sculptor was. It was just weird. But then I had another experience once where um, I was on a plane. And I, I had never slept on planes, but I kind of put my head against the window. All of a sudden, the plane went up in the clouds. And, um, you know, and I just looked out. I said, oh, man, we're up in the clouds. All of a sudden, it came out of the clouds, and it was like there were, like, like stars, like you would hmm. see in Star Wars or Star Trek. That... The lights were shining down. And, you know, I was like, you know, and it scared me. And there was a lady across the aisle from me all by herself in the opposite. There, was, there wasn't too many people on the plane. And all of a sudden, you know, I feel like this is something stupid because I wanted to go out of space. But I said, oh, God, get us back to her. Terry, that's wild. I don't know why this stuff keeps happening to you. i got to hang around with you, <laughs> hopefully see some of these uh, these sightings. I've never been so blessed. Uh, all right. Uh, coming up in just a moment, we're going to do denunciations. Those of you that are on hold, I will take your call, your calls. 800-848-9222. Not denunciations, excuse me. Commendations, uh, because there's a lot of people this Independence Day that deserve a pat on the back, and I'm going to give them one in the in the form of a formal commendation. Uh, a lot of other stuff to get to as well. You want to join the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Morano Fan. There's also a Facebook group that if you want to contribute to anything that we're talking about on the show, that's the place to go and do it. Those of you that are holding, we'll get to you momentarily. Until next hour, keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. It's Independence Day. Hopefully you're doing something fun today, uh, but also something that is patriotic. Maybe it's going to a local parade in your area. Maybe it's watching 1776. Maybe it's putting out the American flag and uh, letting it wave proudly. Or, you know, even your state flag. I, uh, in, my, in our home, we have, my wife has capped me at two flags. So I'd love to put up four flags, but she will not allow more than two flags. She's got a cap on flags and lawn signs, two each, two each. So, uh, But whatever you're doing today, hopefully you'll have some fun. Maybe you get a chance to relax a little bit. Maybe you get a chance to uh, you know, spend time with some friends or with some family. But always remember that uh, a lot of people sacrificed a great deal so that we can have today as a holiday. And uh, that's true every day, but it's especially important to remember on days like this one, which leads me to one of the people or one of the groups of people that are the proud recipient of The Other Side of Midnight presents Commendations. I really do have to give a commendation first and foremost to America, the United States of America to be specific. Um, if you look at the founding fathers and the debates they had one of the things that's so inaccurate is whenever people say well the founding fathers believed this and somebody else said no they didn't the founding fathers believe that usually they're both right 
the founding fathers were people that had the full spectrum of political beliefs represented, just like we do today. It was people on one side of the political spectrum and the other side of the political spectrum. But uh, they really, through a lot of compromise and through a lot of sacrifice, were able to give the world a pretty amazing gift, which is this country, which, again, in spite of all its faults, is uh, a pretty impressive one. So I want to give a commendation to America. I also want to give a commendation to Natalie Figures. So Thomas Raynard James has spent the last 30 years in prison for a crime that he did not commit. Now, fortunately, he's out of prison. And where does this guy go to get the last 31 years of his life back? So in 1990, a man named Francis McKinnon was murdered. A year later, at the age of 23, Thomas Raynard James was sent to Florida State Prison for life for murdering McKinnon. He has always maintained that he was innocent. But it wasn't until 2020 when his his friends began raising money for his defense and they came across a lawyer by the name of Natalie Figures. And that's when James's life began to transform. See, James was sent down for the murder of McKinnon because police were told by witnesses McKinnon had been robbed and murdered by a man named Tommy James or Thomas James. Where were the Shundells at the time? That's the question. So McKinnon's stepdaughter is also reported as having told police she witnessed the murder. So James was convicted. Murder in the first degree, handed a life sentence. Now, during his time inside, James claims that he reached out to the Innocence Project in Florida. However, he was told they could not proceed with the case. He also argued his innocence by trying to file multiple motions, but they were similarly rejected. So This woman, Natalie Figures, who is not even a criminal defense attorney, she's a business and personal injury attorney who had only been out of law school for two years, and she was weeks away from giving birth in 2020. She agreed to read up on James's case, uh, having been persuaded to do so by his friends. So once she saw the evidence and reviewed the case, she said it was pretty clear that a mistake had occurred, and she was flabbergasted that he submitted that many appeals And they didn't see the same thing. So when you hear that, it's just a mistaken identity due to a name. How can somebody be wrongfully convicted just by having the same name? This is an attorney who was a personal injury lawyer, never dealt with criminal law. And she took on James's case, worked tirelessly for hours on end, and finally got his case reopened and this conviction vacated so now an innocent man who has spent the last three decades behind bars is now free and the person that he has primarily to thank for that is natalie figures so i'm giving a commendation to both mr james thomas reynard james and natalie figures i want to commend chick-fil-a chick-fil-a is america's favorite fast food restaurant for the eighth consecutive year. It has maintained its position as America's favorite fast food restaurant for eight years in a row, according to the American Customer Satisfaction Index. That's in spite of the fact that overall, customers prefer full-service restaurants over fast food. This, by the way, is an incredible victory for Chick-fil-A. Even though 
Americans said in this customer satisfaction survey, uh, customer satisfaction index, that they preferred the standard restaurant experience, the dining, the waiter and everything. Chick-fil-A was still more popular than not only all the other fast food restaurants, but all of the restaurants, period. Chick-fil-A is the most popular restaurant in the country. Really? Can you believe that? Uh, Even though fast food declined in popularity this year, Chick-fil-A maintained its score of 83, the highest score in the American Customer Satisfaction Index. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Following Chick-fil-A in the fast food category was sandwich chain Jimmy John's, which I'm not familiar with. I've never been there. Uh, I'm not uh, not a big fast food guy, but um, I, I never even heard of them. Hey, I want to commend these first responders in Howell, New Jersey. A worker was who was nearly buried for hours in a trench came out of the incident unscathed thanks to, thanks to rescue efforts from multiple local agencies. According to the Howell police, a 26-year-old man was tra- trapped in a hole on Carmine Way. It's no reflection upon people that have the name Carmine. Surrounded by dirt up to his shoulders after reportedly attempting to dig footing for a deck on the property. So authorities were called to the scene at 3.30 in the afternoon on Thursday, and the first responding officers used construction debris from the scene to shield the man's face from any other dirt that might collapse around him. Now think of how quick-witted these workers were to think to, to do that, to use construction debris to shield his face. So the first responders, including the Howell police, um, they were able to rescue this guy and get him extricated after about three hours. So he was stuck in the dirt for three hours. He escaped without injury. So uh, two first responders were treated for minor injuries. So a big shout out to everybody that was responsible for that rescue. And uh, that's really nice. I want to give a commendation to Nick Barbaro who bought me lunch on Friday. So for me, it was more like breakfast, but for him, it was lunch slash dinner. Great meal. Absolutely outstanding. Uh, Still thinking about those baked clams. Thank you, Nick Barbaro. Uh, I want to commend the Colorado Avalanche on winning the Stanley Cup. So they're having this parade, as most Stanley Cup winning teams do. The parade and the rally is expected to draw, or did draw, more than 200,000 fans. 200,000 fans. That's incredible. This is a tremendous um, a, a tremendous victory, not only for the Colorado Avalanche, but for all the Colorado hockey fans. Um, they have, you know, they were up against a very good team with Tampa. And um, it, Tampa, you saw the job they did against the Rangers. Oh, Frank, I, I have to give you this little tidbit of please, information. Please, This Stanley Cup, the 2022 Stanley Cup, was the first ever in all the years of the National Hockey League, first ever Stanley Cup where you had two teams with names that did not end in the letter S. S. Interesting. The Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche. Avalanche, Lightning. It was the first time ever. Yep. Well, don't you think they should add an S at this point now? Now that they've got some legitimacy attached to, uh, to, to them and they won the Stanley Cup, they're champions. Throw an S on there. Avalanches? Yeah. Lightnings? The, the Colorado Avalanches. Okay. That you know? that works. I don't know how lightnings work. Yeah, so. uh, you know, well, it's like a geese-goose thing, no, you know? No. Well, lightning is plural, so but avalanche yes. I don't think is. 
How so, many can you? Yeah, can you? You could have avalanches. You're right. right. Yeah, you, you can't have, have lightnings. I mean, you would have multiple lightning strikes. Yes, right. correct. Lightning is early plural. Yes. Yeah. Uh, hey, I want to give a commendation to Joe Nolan, who's our traffic reporter. He's off today. He's probably, um, it, it, you know, three sheets to the wind somewhere. But uh, Joe Nolan is a legendary radio traffic reporter, and uh, he was blessed with a grandson the other day. His son, Connor, and his wife, Kim, are the proud parents of Liam Christopher Nolan, who uh, born on June 28th. So uh, everybody's doing great, thankfully. And uh, the kid looks pretty handsome, I must say. So big congratulations to Joe Nolan and the entire Nolan family. Want to give a commendation as well to Grapefruit Juice. Oh, yes, that's right. Grapefruit Juice. The... I I love grapefruit juice. I think it's delicious. I think it's flavorful. And now there's all this clinical data on the effects of grapefruit juice consumption on vascular function. Now, a study has shown that drinking 100% grapefruit juice regularly leads to lower vascular stiffness in postmenopausal women. We've seen that for a while, but it gets better. A recent analysis on blood samples from a subset of women in this study found that the consumption of 100% grapefruit juice, got to be real grapefruit juice, not like a grapefruit-flavored hard seltzer or something, which is also quite delicious and refreshing, affected the expression of certain genes and proteins associated with the beneficial effects on inflammation, immunity, and cell interactions. Now, this is great news for the Florida grapefruit growers and for women with increased arterial stiffness. How about the wine connoisseurs out there? I mean, there's such a grape juice, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that drinking 100% wine will have the same sort of effect for postmenopausal. I will run a, uh, what do they call this? A a beta test, a clinical study study for you. And let everybody know. So uh, this is really interesting. This is a real legitimate study. The arteries in the women who drank the grapefruit juice were less stiff compared to the control drink group. So while we await the results of the Matt Meany study to see if wine does the same thing, pour yourself a glass of grapefruit juice. You'll enjoy it. I want to give a commendation to my mom who celebrated her birthday yesterday. Uh, My mother, who does listen to the show, is uh, just an incredibly wonderful woman and the very definition of the word selfless. You know, her whole life... Every day of her life, she exists to help others, uh, mostly me. And uh, she's a wonderful lady, incredibly blessed to have her as a mother. And if there's anybody that's deserving of getting all their birthday wishes to come true, it's certainly her. And I'm looking forward to celebrating with her a little bit later today. Happy birthday, Mom, if you're awake. I want to give a commendation to Douglas Elman Realty. Now, If you're not familiar with Douglas Elliman, they're a real estate giant. And the New York Post did this article about this couple that was being essentially abused by this roommate from hell. Well, And it turns out that roommate from hell worked at one time for Douglas Elliman. So now Douglas Elliman is offering up their own high-powered attorneys to help this elderly couple boot out this roommate from hell. They didn't have to do that. And yet they're going out of their way after this story hit the papers to get out this guy. They not only fired him, but they're using their legal muscle to get this guy, this roommate from hell, 
to pay this elderly couple $12,518 that he owes in rent and utility costs. And this poor couple, they're in their 70s. The wife has dementia. The, the, guy, the husband uses a wheelchair and suffers from severe Parkinson's. There's no reason that at this age, after dealing with what they've dealt with, that they should have to be going through all this. And I'm glad Douglas Elman is doing the right thing. And the least I could do is uh, give them a commendation. All right, that concludes uh, this week's edition of Commendations. If you would like to comment on anybody that I have commended, you can give me a call at 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. So, my wife and I have agreed to host a barbecue at our home. Okay, I came up with a list of 100 people that I'd like to invite. Now, before you freak out, let me just understand. I have a broad social group. Okay, understand though that. I knew uh, this was a hundred people in a first draft that I sent to my wife because I knew she would want to redline some people. So I sent her this long list knowing that they were going to pe- it like shark bait, knowing that, okay, this person's going to get sacrificed. That person's going to get sacrificed. And so she sends me back a redacted list of about 66 entrants. Right. And, so I sent this email out to all 66 of those people and one or two others that are still timed to go out. And it's mostly just people that live near us. But here's the, here's the issue here between my wife and I. I thought it would be so nice. You know what kills me is you go to a dinner with somebody, you go to a party, you go hang out with somebody, and they stare at their phone their entire time. My suggestion to my wife was this. Why don't we make it so that nobody can bring their phone? We'll have a special box when people first walk in that folks will have to check their phone. And that went over like a lead balloon. She said, no, people are going to want to take pictures. And if they end up talking about something, maybe they'll want to look up something on their phone. So I lost that battle, right? And so my wife sent me this list back of all the people she redlined and then all the people she waitlisted. And she said, if a lot of people decline right away, then move to the waitlist people. So I sent out this uh, this email where I made uh, made clear to mention that uh, and, and my wife said, make sure people know that we don't have a swimming pool because maybe then they won't come. So she's essentially rooting for as many people to decline as possible. 
and she's trying to make it, you know, very unattractive to folks. So I sent out this email, which I thought was very clever in the manner in which I wrote it. And I received this response from none other than Juliet Huddy. This was sent to me at 4.36 in the morning on July 3rd. I was still recovering from my Ozark slash bourbon binge, so I didn't see it until a little later. But Juliet Huddy writes the following. I couldn't sleep, so I was scrolling through my phone. Because phones are very important to my happiness and are actually somewhat of a mental health necessity, if you think about it. Finally, after 36 hours of nonstop bedlam, the house was quiet until I read your email and laughed out loud. Cause, I guess she's uh, dog sitting or something. Causing the strange dog in my bed to get up, which caused its collar to rattle, which caused my dogs downstairs sleeping with John. You see, we can't sleep together while we pet sit because, God forbid, Wiggy lets Luna lay down near him to go berserk. Thank you both for thank you both of you for turning my house back into a torture chamber. So that's that's the reaction that this email is getting. It's funny when my wife sent me the redacted barbecue invite list back. You know, I sent it to her as a word document, she does the same thing. She includes two additional entries. She says one entry is that guy you work with. And then the entry beneath that is that other guy you work with. So I think the people that she was referring to were Alex Barnard and and Ryan. But it's not really it's not really clear. So um Ryan congratulations you made the you made the cut and apparently you did as well Alex. So if you're going to RSVP in the negative do so quickly so that we can move on to the B list, right? Of folks that are only invited if you know, the top tier people don't get invited. Can I just say really quickly, though, Frank, that um, that invite was so pretentious. Yes, yes. I, I uh, You should be so honored that you're invited to my it's barbecue. True. You don't know how many people got really redlined. Really? How many people got redlined? Did you at least, invited like at a least 40. People? Oh, really? 40 yeah, people? Well, 40. Maybe more than 40, because some of it is couples. So, you know, it'll say the Magliacas, that's two people. It's four if you count their kids, you know. And they didn't make it, unfortunately. Don't tell them that, though, because in case a lot of people decline, they'll be on the B list. Oh, I'm sure that saying that over the air won't, uh, you know. I know, but <laughs> you, you can always play it off as just that I'm just doing this for entertainment's sake. Well, yeah, okay, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, well, your RSVP is expected soon. Uh, you've got it. All right. Thank you. All right, 800-848-9222. Evelyn is in Bayonne. Hello there, Evelyn. Hi, Frank. How you doing? Great. I've got a, I've got another quick idea for what to take to your barbecues. I'm ready. Instead of the usual beer, wine, or hard liquor, how about a cordial? Amaretto, Chambord. Oh, that's interesting. That's a creative suggestion. I like that a lot. I like it because you can have it as an after-dinner drink or put it in your coffee, and it's not something that a lot of people would think to bring. I certainly would have would not have thought of that, but for this conversation, I like that a lot. So what's your favorite cordial since you mentioned amaretto? Is that yours? Amaretto's number one. Actually, it's pretty much one, two, three there. Amaretto, I like. Uh, Chambord, if I'm in a fruity mm. kind of uh, 
thing, and uh, I love Hazelnut, so Frangelica's ah, right yes. my top three. By the way, all three of those, when it gets a little cooler, all of those make a great complement to hot chocolate in the winter. A nice oh, amaretto agree. hot chocolate or a nice Frangelica hot chocolate or maybe even both. You can't go wrong. Yes, I agree completely. All right. Thank you for that suggestion, Evelyn. Paul is in North Carolina. Paul, why are there so few UFO sightings in North Carolina? Apparently you're near the bottom. Well, I I, I don't know. I think um, there's a Southern comedian uh, who makes uh, – he has some shtick involving – UFOs and his scenario was okay the kids were going to earth make sure you go to the bathroom no stops along the way and it was basically from the perspective of someone coming to visit earth and where they were going to land it was uh, oh god I can't James uh, something or other southern comedian but anyway the remark I was going to make and and let me preface my remarks by if I say something not that's uh uh, edit worthy, but but some folks may find um, the term I'm going to use maybe a little offensive. I don't know, but I'm not a religious person, and I'm the last person to use religion as a a, a support for a position I take. You'd be either be uh, we got we got the we got the disclaimer here, Paul. Now go, go ahead. Are you going to go into some profanity laced tirade here? No, I'm. I'm uh, well. I was going to say holy roller, but I said religious person instead. But my issue is with gluttony as a human being, and just uh, I'm not a a liberal bleeding heart. But you know, you look at certain situations around the world, and they're they're pretty sad. And I think just as a, a human being, gluttony is wrong, and that's why I have an issue with the Nathan's. Nathan's annual hot dog eating contest. I I think I find it rather disgusting, you know. And um, uh, and oh, and another reason is they put too much salt in them. Well, they're, that's a good point. Look, a national brand. I'm not going to mention them, but they have a delicious all beef hot dog that has half the salt of Nathan's. Well, tell they us, tell us, let us in on the salt. secret, Paul. We, we people may want to get a low sodium hot dog. What is it? Uh. Sabret, S-A-B-B-R-E-T. Okay, yeah, that, that that used to be the one that they'd serve at Yankee Stadium. Right, right. Well, Salins, Salins is served down here at our AAA affiliate. Uh, I think it's the the White Sox. Anyway, the Charlotte Knights um, have that that type of relationship with uh, Salin, but there's too much salt in Salin. Sabret has. Half the salt, and it's. A, I'm not supposed to eat hot dogs anyway, but when I crave one, I don't want to, to eat a mouthful of salt for crying out loud. I, I understand that. Paul, I, I don't understand what that whole disclaimer was about that you were worried about offending people. I mean, you, so far well, all you've said is that you don't want people drink, eating 60, 70 hot dogs in 10 minutes, which is far from an unreasonable position. Thank you. No, I was going to say I'm not a holy roller by any stretch of the imagination, but I I said I'm not a religious person, and I will not use religion ever. I'm the last person that will use religion uh, as an uh, 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 to support a debate or argument. I got you. Okay, that's all I was saying. God bless you, Paul. 
800-848-9222. We will do something interesting in just a moment. I'll tell you what we are going to do. Hey, the, a, a turtle caused a major traffic accident. These guys, I mean, for an animal that certainly takes its time, it's causing a lot of problems. I'll explain straight ahead. Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Um, you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Morano fam. You follow me on Twitter at Frank Morano. And the, be sure to follow the station on both of those platforms, uh, 77 WABC on both Facebook and Twitter. There's a ton of great content uh, on our station's social media platforms, including a lot of stuff that's exclusive to the web that you won't hear on the radio. So if you're not following, 77 WABC on Twitter. You're missing out on some really some fun stuff. Hey, um, one of the places that uh, my wife and I really enjoy going on vacation to every summer, and I think we're going to try and go in August, I um, is Cape May, New Jersey. We really love it. It's close enough that you can drive, but it's far away enough that you feel like you're away. And it's sort of um, it's a different part of the Jersey Shore. It's a little more, I don't know. A little more historic. There's no boardwalk area. It's more. It's it's a. It's kind of a throwback. At least I feel like I'm kind of walking in a different time than when I, you go to Cape May as opposed to Atlantic City or Long Beach Island or Belmar or something like that. So this story really caught my eye because one of the things that's so great about Cape May is there's a ton of nature there. There's birds. There's fish. There's dolphins. If you take the Cape May ferry. From Cape May to Delaware, you can see dolphins, and some you'd see dolphins right in the water there. It's really neat. So you can also see turtles. And intersection after intersection in Cape May has signs warning about turtle crossings. Well, a turtle caused a three-car crash. In Cape May, New Jersey, when a considerate driver stopped to let this turtle that was probably in the midst of a race against a hare or something crawl inch across the road. And this guy, the driver, stopped and apparently so suddenly 
he was rear-ended by the car behind him. That car also stopped and was rear-ended by the car behind him. So this turtle caused this three-car crash. The driver hit the brakes uh, it, while motoring in Stone Harbor, which is a well-known hub for sea turtle nesting and street crossings, in order to avoid crushing this slow-moving little guy. So the car behind the vehicle slammed into it. A third car crashed into both of them. All three of the cars were badly damaged. Thankfully, nobody was hurt. So the fire department in Stone Harbor, uh, the volunteer fire department, like a lot of them are, they put out a statement that said, please make sure that when you stop for a turtle, that the drivers behind you have time to stop. We realize the desire to not hit a turtle, but you and others are just as important. Now, I don't understand what the fire department... Look, I mean, obviously you want to give as much notice to the car behind you as possible that you're going to be braking, but there are turtle crossing signs all over the place. What are you supposed to do if you see the turtle? Just keep driving? No, you got to stop when you see it. So I, I feel like this is a little bit of not only victim shaming here, but turtle shaming and considerate driver shaming. What say you? 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Turtles crawl out of the salt marsh in Cape May, and they're often spotted crossing the street in search of dry land between May and September. So this is prime turtle crossing season. So if you're visiting Stone Harbor or Cape May, don't say, I didn't warn you about these turtles. Keep your eyes on the road. But, you know, I don't blame this driver for stopping. It's a shame that it led to an accident, but that's what happens. You um, You can't save a turtle without cracking a few shells. In this case, the shells are metaphorical and take the form of fenders. There you have it. All right. 800-848-9222. Uh, by the way, if you want to join our Facebook group, uh, you can just search Morano Radio Fans and Haters on Facebook. And that's really meant to be a, um, a uh, you know, a platform for people who want to weigh in on the show and the topics we're covering and things of uh, of that nature. So you have complaints, you have feedback, you have positive things to say. That's the place uh, to do it. A lot of folks very complimentary about what we're uh, about uh, us being on in Nevada. So that's uh, certainly exciting. Hey, uh, by the way, today is the day of the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. So we will tell you what you can expect as far as that contest goes. It's going to be on around noon, and they are carrying this live on uh, ESPN on television. I've always said that they should carry that on radio, too. I don't know why, no, they don't do that. They sh- they certainly should. I don't understand uh, what the story uh, is on that. But we're going to have a – we'll give you the highlights with the come this time tomorrow. Uh, but I'll tell you about it a little bit, a little bit later. Now, uh, if you want to email me, by the way, you can do so, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. In the meantime – I will tell you, there is this story that I found just horrific, absolutely horrific. I'm going to tell you about it in just a minute. But first, let me say hello to Jeffrey in Queens. Hello, Jeffrey. Hello, Frank. Hello. Tangential story on hitting a, a, a turtle. This was hitting a deer. 
Oh, really? So tell me what happened. Um, I looked up. I looked down. I was driving back from upstate, and right with a big migratory period around Hudson, New York, that area. Um, I looked down for a second. Next thing I look up, going seventy, there are there are two, um, you know, deer deer eyes in my headlights. So I I must slow down to about four. I don't know what, but um, he went flying, and I luckily, luckily I survived. And so so did my two cats in the back seat. But um, I, I when, when talking to the police around the issue of hitting deer. They told me, you know, it's so frequent up there that most people get hurt because they try to avoid right. the deer. Right, sure. And that's when the car swerves and turns over and they get seriously hurt. That's all I had to say, Frank. Uh, thank you, Jeffrey. All right, Bodegas, Twitter, and more in mere moments. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. John, a singing of Philadelphia freedom, something that we certainly remember each and every Independence Day, especially this one. Hey, I'll tell you where freedom is lacking, okay? We are now in an era where, look, you do something stupid on social media, and look, I mean, no, I was uh, drunkenly tweeting insults to uh, politicians on Saturday, on Sunday morning, which, you know, I'm not proud of, but it's not the biggest deal in the world, uh, that no one's going to call for my firing for that. At least I hope not. But we're now in an era where your job is at stake if the Twitter mob turns on you. This was the case with for Griffin Green. Now, Griffin Green is a 24-year-old young man you remember what it was like to be 24? I mean, you, you, you don't know which end is up. You, you're a little dopey at 24. Let's face it. At least I was. I'm not speaking for anybody else. I was. So this fella is from Michigan. He moves to New York City. He relocates there last week to take up a new role. Great job as a sales development rep with the software company Outreach. Good job. Good company. Now, he moves to the South Bronx. He sublets an apartment after arriving in New York. And he shares a series of videos to TikTok. TikTok is one of these video social media services. I'm not into TikTok because, you know, they're giving all our data to the Chinese communist government, and that's not really my thing. But it's very popular. People love TikTok. And you share videos on there, short-form videos. And so this Midwestern college graduate shares a bunch of videos on TikTok, essentially very crassly claiming culture shock about his new surroundings. 
He says something along the lines of, I should have grabbed the, the audio, but you, you, you get it. He says something along the lines of, okay, so I just moved to New York and I'm going to go grocery shopping. And so I type in like grocery stores. By the way, can we pause here? Why does every 20-something feel the need to insert the word like in the middle of sentences? I do not understand it. Why couldn't he just say, so I type in grocery stores? Why does he have to say, so I type in like grocery stores? All right, so uh, let me continue. Okay, so I just moved to New York, and I'm going to go grocery shopping, and so I type in like grocery stores on my Apple Maps, and every effing one I go to, they're like this blank, this S word, he says in one video, before panning the camera to show a local bodega. Like, bro, that's not a grocery store. I'm trying to get, like, eggs, yogurt, cheese, blank like that. Like, look at this place. He later stated, like, I've literally been to, like, five of those now, and, like, I don't know what the F I'm going to do about, uh, what the F I'm going, what the F I'm about to do for dinner Like, where are the Kroger's and the Whole Foods at? Like, I'm about to eat effing like cereal and ramen for dinner. Like, what the F? Now, this guy's an idiot, but he's 24, okay? You shouldn't move to the South Bronx expecting there to be a Whole Foods and a Kroger on every every, uh, corner. Additionally, it drives me crazy that he used the word like every other sentence. It's like a big deal to me. So anyway, um, if I didn't like what this guy was doing, which I don't, you know what I would do? I would not watch his videos on on TikTok. That's what I would do. That would be the sum total of it. But that's not good enough for the Vox Populi. So one person promptly shared the clip of these one of these videos to Twitter where it quickly went viral with this fella, Green, earning the moniker Bodega Bro. The clip attracted widespread attention, with some saying Green was exuding white privilege with his insensitive remarks about the Bronx, which is, of course, a majority-minority borough of the city. So, um... Ultimately, you see where this is going. Now, Perez Hilton, who's a very famous blogger, he tweets, I'm sure this bro thought he was being funny, but did anyone else view this as racist or just me? Well, excuse me. Okay, maybe it's anti-New York. It's anti-urban. It's not racist. He wants a Kroger's and a Whole Foods. It's, he's not saying... I'm not going to this effing place because there's Mexicans here. I'm not saying anything like that. So Perez Hilton immediately ejects, injects race into the argument. And whenever you start that, whenever you can play the race card, you're always in a dangerous situation for the person that's being accused of being racist. So another TikTok star by the name of Dutch D. Carvalha, Carvalho, excuse me, also slammed Green saying, quote, I mean... What's he been here, like two days? And he found a way to make fun of the stores that many people in the community rely on? So according to Reason Magazine, outraged viewers also took issue with other clips 
of green surveying his new surroundings in the Bronx. So think of that. People were so upset about what he did in these bodega videos that they had to go and watch all the videos he's ever done. That's that's real outrage. Quote, I'm in the Bronx for a few weeks, so I'm like the only white dude in this whole gym. So I got this NAACP shirt so these people vibe with me more. In another clip, he allegedly remarked on how many gay people resided in New York, questioning whether, quote, being gay is just the thing now. Social media sleuths uncovered an older TikTok video made by Green in which he showed off a confidential offer of employment letter and announced he was moving to New York City. The letter revealed he worked at Outreach and one person tweeted the tech firm to alert them to Green's viral bodega video. Understand, they ratted him out to his employer. Okay? And... Very specific complaints. I don't think it's very flattering to have this type of person representing your company. They write from a private account. I love these keyboard warriors that hide behind all these pseudonyms. I would revalue his employment if not if I were you. And sure enough, that's what they did. They fired this guy. They fired this guy because he became the latest victim of the Twitter mob. Now, again, it's difficult to have a lot of sympathy for this guy, Mr. Green, because he does use the word like every other sentence and and because he is kind of a jerk, it seems. But should he really lose his job for these dopey TikTok videos? I find this absolutely reprehensible. What do you think? 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Outreach did respond later. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. Upon investigation, we took swift internal action in accordance with our company policies and in alignment with our core values. He is no longer an employee of Outreach. Oh, whoop de doo for you, Outreach. You're solving racism one TikTok video at a time. Uh, Give me a break. This guy, look. He's a buffoon. He should not have been fired for these, in my opinion. You want to feel differently? You're welcome to. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Until next hour, always remember, especially in the Twitterverse, your influence counts. Make sure you use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. side of midnight i'm frank moreno thanks for tuning in um it is independence day independence day is a celebration of america independence day is a, a remembrance of what happened in philadelphia in 1776 independence day is a great time to get together with friends and have a good time independence day is a day off for a lot of people 
<clears throat> not everyone, but uh, it is also the home, the home to one of the most popular sporting events and, quite frankly, one of the most challenging sporting events in the United States and maybe the world. That is the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Champion, uh, the, the uh, championship. This is the Super Bowl of competitive eating. Now, I get that some people think this is gross. I got to tell you, I think it's an incredible amount of fun. The Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Championship is really the brainchild of George Shea. The first hot dog eating contest took place in Coney Island around the year 1916, and then they just kind of pretty much forgot about it until the 70s. And then what they would do is, in the 70s, they basically just find whoever was around. Oh, you, you, you're you walking on the boardwalk. You want to be in a hot dog eating contest? Let's get this guy. Let's get this guy. Let's get this guy. It was very informal. It has become, it has evolved into a sport that people train their entire lives for. And that is not an exaggeration. I remember I met Joey Chestnut after his first championship. He had beaten a guy that had the title for a long time, Japanese fellow by the name of Takaro Kobayashi, still one the Tsunami was his nickname, still one of the greatest eaters in the world today. He no longer participates in the uh, Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest because he had a little bit of a, a contractual dispute with the folks from Major League Eating. But the guy that has really turned this contest into something that was a boardwalk novelty act into the spectacular that it is today is George Shea. Now, George Shea I know fairly well. George is the grand poobah over at competitive at uh, Major League Eating. He's also uh, a guy that conceived this as a brilliant PR and marketing strategy for Nathan's. And he's the one you see him in the sort of pork pie hat. Uh, he does those incredible introductions of all the eaters in the run up to the contest. And this year is the first time the contest is really back as it should be. In three years, they did it last year and they did it the year before, but there was all sorts of restrictions due to COVID. And two years ago, especially, it was very bizarre how they had it as some secure remote location with everybody masked. This year, the contest is happening exactly as it, they should. George Shea spoke, about, they had a weigh in with all the competitive eaters the other day. George Shea, Shea spoke with CBS after the weigh in. You know, when Joey Chestnut is introduced, we are going to raise the roof. I'm talking the dome of heaven will collapse. It, it is a real contest. It's incredibly um, hard fought, but it's also very lighthearted, very fun, very silly, and it's just perfect for the 4th of July. Is it a celebration of absurdity? It is a celebration of absurdity. When you see me rap with Badlands Booker, we are in the absurd. <laughs> uh, and Badlands Booker... He See, Badlands Booker is a rapper. He's also a competitive eater. He's a bigger guy, maybe 350. He might even be 400 pounds. He's the only heavy set guy you're really going to see on that stage tomorrow. If you look at most of the competitive eaters, they're in great shape. Joey Chestnut's in very good shape. Kabayashi was in great shape. Matt Stone, who's the only person to beat Joey Chestnut. Uh, Matt Stoney is his, right, is his name. Matt Stoney's the only person to beat Joey Chestnut since Joey Chestnut first won the championship. 
He's in great shape. They're all in great shape. And if you watch this contest 30 years ago, when guys like my friend Curtis Slewell were participating, the sport was really dominated by bigger guys, heavier guys, guys that had a lot of fat around their abdomen, guys that you really wouldn't consider to be in good shape. And folks watch this contest now and see these people eating 50, 60, 70 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Because remember, the hot dogs, the, the contest used to be 12 minutes. Now it's only 10 minutes because there was just too much what they call <clears throat> reversal of fortune, if you know what I mean. So, and too many HDB, hot dogs and buns, being consumed. So if you watch the contest from 30 years ago and then look at it today, you see it's transformed. And so you might ask the question, why? Well, the best explanation of that was from the Maspeth monster, Ed Crotchy. Ed Crotchy came up with what he called the belt of fat theory. He wrote a thesis on it for a, a very detailed academic publication. This was not taken seriously in the world of academia, but it was taken seriously in the competitive eating community. So um, the Maspeth monster, Ed Cratchy, he couldn't understand why, as he got heavier, his HDB total would decline. So what Ed Cratchy came up with was that because muscle is more flexible and more pliable than fat, and because muscle around your abdomen is more easy to stretch out and expand than fat is, the more muscle you have around your abdomen as opposed to fat, the better you're able to compete. And that's certainly been true with Joey Chestnut. Now, it was very interesting at that weigh-in, at the uh, Hudson Yards on Friday, Joey Chestnut hobbled there on crutches. So he, he's gotten an injury. It's a ruptured tendon. And people are wondering, is this going to affect his game? Joey Chestnut says no. He says, I'll be able to stand up and eat. I'm excited. This was Joey Chestnut uh, after the weigh-in. I think I feel better than I look. I look pretty rough uh, in the leg, but uh, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to go out hungry, and I'm going to eat. This is something I love doing, and it's 4th of July. I'm I'm going to push it. He is a 14-time Nathan's Famous champion, and he was sporting a black cast below his right knee and walking with crutches under each arm. His explanation, very simple, I'm not eating with my leg. He's only 38 years old. He is one of the most talented athletes in the world today. He's from Indiana. Last year, he broke his own world record by consuming an incredible 60, uh, excuse me, 76 hot dogs and buns in just 10 minutes. That's extraordinary. That's extraordinary. You don't do that without a lot of training. You don't do that without a lot of practice. And uh, he certainly is extraordinary. You want to see something really interesting? ESPN does this documentary series. It's called 30 for 30. And they did a 30 for 30 on the rivalry between Joey Chestnut and Takaro Kobayashi. This is one of the, I'm not joking here, this is not hyperbole, this is one of the greatest pieces of sports journalism I've ever seen. It's brilliantly produced. 
at times it's incredibly emotional it's incredibly educational you learn about how these guys chain uh, train you see the jaw exercises that Joey Chestnut does i mean it's extraordinary so i do recommend if you get the opportunity to watch that the 30 for 30 ESPN documentary chronicling the rivalry between Joey Chestnut and Takaro Kobayashi. Now, an interesting thing happened a few years ago because it used to be the men and the women all competed together in one contest, and that's what they do for every other competitive eating contest in the world. A few years ago, they started separating the men from the women, and it's nice that the female eater the female eaters are able to get some recognition. And um, last year, see, there was one female eater that had been dominating this contest. Her name is uh, Mickey Sudo. Amazing eater. She wasn't able to compete last year. I believe she was pregnant, so she wasn't able to compete. So Michelle Lesko, who I've actually met and who's a wonderful lady, uh, she won. But she won with a total that was nowhere near what Mickey Sudo was going to be watching. So as far as the female contest goes this year, and I don't think they're going to carry the female contest live, which is a shame. Uh, I think they're only carrying the men's contest live. But as far as what everybody's watching this year is, one, is this pregnancy going to slow down Mickey, M- Mickey Sudo at all? She Is she out of practice? Is she a little rusty? Um, and I think she has had the baby and everything's kosher now. Has that ha- having a baby is very disruptive to your training regimen, believe me, your just lifestyle in general. So, has this affected her training schedule? Additionally, Michelle Lesko, last year's champion, is she going to be able to, even though she's the champion, it's almost like when George Foreman fought Muhammad Ali. You know, George Foreman was the champion. But I think a lot of people viewed Muhammad Ali as the champion in that contest. And that's kind of what we're seeing here um, with Michelle Lesko in this face-off against Mickey Sudo. Mickey Sudo spoke after the weigh-in. I can't wait. It's such a rush of energy, um, you know, competing in front of the crowd. I, I really feed off, of, you know, the, the screaming and the yelling and the cheers. and It's, it's a great feeling. So Mickey Sudo won seven straight titles. From 2014 to 2021, Michelle Lesko won last year. So, who knows? Is this going to be Mickey Sudo rightly claiming her spot back? 800-848-9222 if you want to comment. Uh, Are you excited about the contest? Are you grossed out by the contest? Are you going to watch? Do you not care? What do you think? 800-848-9222. Now, Alex, Matt Blaze and I were giving you a little bit of an education in this the other day. You seemed kind of uh, dismissive of this contest. You do not like the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. Yeah, no, I I think it's, I don't know, I think the, the whole concept of eating competitively is so repulsive to me because how could, think about it this way, how can you possibly train just to shove food down your throat. I mean, that is just, that is possibly the most lazy sport idea that you could ever come up with. You need to watch this 30 for 30 documentary. These guys are many things. Frank, I'd sooner watch paint dry. No, no, but you don't understand. These guys are not lazy. They are not lazy in the least. These guys are are warriors. I'm telling you. You've got to see this documentary and see the training record. 
Um, Joey Chestnut, he lifts weights with his jaw. He basically ties a dumbbell to his jaw to strengthen his jaw muscles. It's extraordinary. It's absolutely extraordinary. I'm sure it is extraordinary. But you know what else is extraordinary? The fact that these guys don't wake up with the worst stomach aches ever you know, like for their entire lives. I mean, how can they, they must be doing something to themselves that can keep them going for this long. I'm so, you said he's won, what, 14 titles? 14 titles, yeah. How, how is he still walking? And, and he's only getting better. Last year was his best finish ever. How, with 70, seriously, how is he still walking? HDB. Well, he's not. He's on crutches. So, oh, well, yeah. Uh, and I'm one to talk. Tendon. But... Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah, you're awfully judgmental up there. My email's pretentious. How, how is Joey Chestnut walking when, when you have difficulty walking? Suddenly we go nationwide and I, uh, I get an ego here. Well, exactly, exactly. Uh, all right. So you want to comment, you can, 800-848-9222. So we know 4th of July is a big day for Franks, both Frank Moranos and Frank Footers. We know it's a big day for fireworks. We know it's a big day for barbecues. We know it's a big day for patriotism and the American flag. You know what else it's a big day for? You may not know this. Beer. Fourth of July, or Independence Day, is the number one beer consumption day of the entire year. Number one, more than the Super Bowl, more than St. Patrick's Day, more than Cinco de Mayo, more than Thanksgiving, Christmas, Labor Day combined, even ahead of Memorial Day, which is also a big beer holiday. It is the number one beer holiday in the country. It's not a joke. So I was really interested in this column that Mike Vaccaro wrote in the New York Post about beer jingles. And as he says, and Mike Vaccaro is a great writer, but he writes mostly about sports. It's the 4th of July weekend, so it seems like a perfect time to celebrate one of the great American traditions of all, one that has lain dormant and been on some lean times recently, but has a genuinely glorious past. Beer jingles. Beer jingles. We're going to explore that in a moment. Do uh, you have a favorite beer jingle? I'll share you mine. We'll give you extra points if you could sing yours. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Happy Independence Day. Just because it's a holiday doesn't mean you don't deserve quality live programming. And that's exactly what you're going to get on this station all day long. 
Uh, and uh, I hope uh, I hope you're doing something fun today. But whatever you're doing, just make sure you keep your radio on loud and proud. It's the best way to show your patriotism. Now, as I was mentioning, beer jingles in this Mike Vaccaro interview, he lists what the, what he thinks are the top five beer jingles. I think he's right. I think he is absolutely right. I don't agree with the rankings. What he ranks as number one, I would rank number two. And uh, to me, there's no doubt about what should be number one. I'll play you my choice. But he also asked the question, what happened to beer jingles? Why? Beer jingles used to be a big part of the sporting experience. Now, that's not the case. I mean, if you think of beer commercials now, and there's a lot of very good beer commercials, they all tend to rely on witty dialogue and not jingles. Why do you think that is? What happened? 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Something changed along the way. Uh, Mike Vaccaro theorizes that if you're if there was a good throwback jingle, you're not forced to watch the commercials anymore the way you were in a TV world that was limited to channels 2, 4, 5, 7, 9, and 11. So... Um, that's interesting. But I'm wondering if there's something else about why they stopped these beer jingles. If you have a theory, give us a call, 800-848-9222. So this is what, what Mike Vaccaro lists as his number one jingle. Very apropos that he listed it number one because, of course, Schaefer's is the beer to have when you're having more than one. Am I right? Uh, without further ado, the Schaefer beer jingle. I think that's great. It's still so memorable. And it's funny. I went up to look up look up the lyrics, but for all these songs, except maybe one, I found that once the music was playing, I knew all the words. So give me a call. Tell me your favorite beer jingle, 800-848-9222. This is what um, – I like this beer. and I'm not a big beer drinker. I like beer, but to me it's too, um, it's too fattening, right? I mean – it doesn't it's not worth all the calories and the carbs to I mean it's good. I might have one today because it's probably gonna be a hot day, you're outside, might be fun. But I don't know I don't I try to I, I do maybe rare. It's rare that I have a beer. I'll have a beer maybe once every three months at most. At most. You know, if that. But uh Miller High Life is a beer that I really enjoy. They call it the champagne of beers. I've always enjoyed it. I think their jingle is catchy. It's not as good as some others, but some people might be fond of Miller High Life. Yeah. 
the time we've got the beer miller now this was the only jingle that i didn't remember the lyrics to i, I guess maybe i wasn't of the right era I, I don't remember these commercials i don't know when these commercials aired uh or maybe they aired during events that i wasn't really watching lowenbrow i'm familiar with lowenbrow as a beer but i have to tell you maybe i'm uh, uh, maybe i should be embarrassed by this i was Totally unfamiliar with the Lowenbrow beer jingle. It is quite catchy, though. Uh, Lowenbrow. Here's two good friends. Tonight is kind of special. Hey, where you been? It wasn't easy getting tickets for this game. Hey, Bob. Eddie, I know exactly what I want. I want the biggest steak you got in a bottle of Lowenbrow. Steak at Lowenbrow. Dolan, you're a genius. When you want the taste of a truly great American beer, tonight... Let it be low and brown. Here's to the chef. Here's to the bartender. Now, um, here is my favorite beer jingle is also a, a beer that I really enjoyed. And I was very pleased when they brought it back in the early 90s. And this is probably the beer jingle that I knew best because they brought it back for a second go-round with that same jingle. I'm talking about Rheingold. My beer is Rheingold, the dry beer. And I still think of Rheingold whenever I buy beer. to Madison and on both sides of Park. They asked for Rheingold Extra Dry before and after dark. From Coney to Connecticut on Flatbush Avenue. From Jersey scenes way out to Queens they sing as millions do. My beer is Rheingold the dry beer. Friendly, fresh, sting and happily dry beer. Dry means clean and it's clear. Dry means thirst, quenching beer. Join the millions who buy Oh, love it. By the way, um, they still make Rheingold. And up until a few years ago, there would be a handful of bars that would carry Rheingold. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, If you know of any place that still sells Rheingold, I think that would be a fun thing to bring to some of the barbecues I'm attending today. Because it's kind of a throwback and it's a conversation starter. So, and it's good beer. At least, the last time I had a Rheingold was probably about 10 years ago. But it is, it's, I don't think it tastes the same. I don't think it's the same formula as back in the 60s or, or the 1880s, you know. But when they brewed it in Brooklyn. But I see on their website that they sell it at Manhattan Beer Distributors, Connecticut Star Distributors. If anyone knows of a spot that I could pick this up, 
that's not too inconvenient, let me know. Email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. My beer is Rheingold's The Dry Beer. Uh, Maureen in Patterson, where did all the beer jingles go? How come we don't hear them anymore? You know, I have no idea. Uh, it's pretty catchy. Maybe it's because they don't want you to really have uh, the influence to drink beer. I don't know. Because you know how everything gets so woke. Oh, mm. heaven forbid you should say more than one, you know. Right. Well, that's that's fair. That's, that's, that's fair. I didn't think of that. Well, I remember the Rheingold, the old one, when I was a little girl. I had just heard the one that you played when I was waiting to be talk to you. But the one I remember was, um, my beer is Rheingold, the dry beer. Think of Rheingold whenever you buy beer. It's refreshing, it's not, sweet. not sweet. It's the it's extra, the dry, extra treat. dry treat. Won't you... Try extra dry Rheingold beer. Now, Maureen, you actually sound like you might have been one of the Miss Rheingold beauty queens of uh, a certain time. Were you ever? Were you ever in the Miss Rheingold pageant? No, but you know what? I remember this is kind of going off the subject, but my grandfather used to take me out with him when he would hoist a few, and I would sit there and watch the bouncing ball, the Valentine bouncing ball, mm-hmm. and I thought that was like like the best thing ever because you know you I was what. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that's why they have those bouncing balls to kind of get the yeah. kids hooked early. Maureen, thank you for the stroll down memory lane. Allison is in Bayside. Hello, Allison. I, hi, Frank, hi, Frank. I was calling about Rheingold, and so you both sang, had the two themes, and I don't. Uh, but I remember my parents telling me they had a Rheingold pavilion at the World's Fair. Oh, really? I didn't know that. The 64 World's yeah. Fair or the... Yes. Oh, yes. interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, oh, hey, do you yes. know, have any idea where I can pick up a case of Rheingold today? No, but there's a place in upstate New York, in Tacton, New York, called Beer World, and they have beer from all over the world, any kind of oh, beer. Oh, you're kidding. You w- w- where is that? It's called Catskill, New York. Oh, Catskills. Okay, I know the Catskills, sure. Yeah, but yeah. And it's got it's a beer world. It had everything when I was there a few years ago. Really, well, that's good. That might might be a fun road trip one day. Thank you, Allison. Obviously, we want to encourage everybody to drink responsibly today and every day. And while while you're drinking, I don't think it's a good idea to be setting off these fireworks. All right. So also use the, the fireworks responsibly. Just be responsible. You hang out, have a you know, enjoy a nice barbecue, have a few drinks. Come on. You know, there's no need to get crazy. No need to drive everywhere. And you can take Uber. Always, oh, It's always, you know, an option. Dan at the Jersey Shore. Hello. Frank, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. Good. Um, well, I, I, I 10 bar and um, I'm 63. So I had a uh, a father who drank a lot of the Schaefer, a lot of Rangel. He was from Newark, New Jersey. All the all those breweries, Rangel, Schaefer, Budweiser, they're, they're all Newark, New Jersey. A couple of them are still there. Well, Rheingold used you know, to be brewed in Brooklyn. Was Rheingold, okay. Schaefer was Newark. Uh, Budweiser is still up in Newark. But they, uh, you know, I, I just think it's, I mean, all these craft uh, craft breweries out now and stuff that uh, all these young, all the young kids are just interested in the alcohol contact, content in the uh, beers. So they don't really. I see. So maybe today's beer drinker is so sophisticated, they're not going to be fooled by a clever jingle. I tell you, we can make some money, though, Frank. 
Me hey. and you put together one of these things. I'm telling you, one of these things for like these craft breweries that that could uh, that could be a turnaround. I, I, I'm in. But I'm in, I, Dan. I I'm in. All craft breweries now. Let's hey, let's do it, man. I'm in. Uh, we'll 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 have a Morano blend, right? Uh, 800-848-9222. Hey, tell you what we're going to do. We're going to give you an opportunity to win some money. If you want to be the seventh, if you are the seventh caller to 1-800-848-9222, we're going to give you a chance to answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds. Now, here's a little hint. A lot of these are 4th of July, Independence Day related. So if you know your Revolutionary War history pretty well, this is one time you should call. Be the seventh caller right now to 800-848-9222. Those of you that are holding, we'll still get to you. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight, uh, this Independence Day edition of uh, this program is uh, going on until 5, and then uh, for those of you listening on WABC, uh, you'll get to hear the WABC Early News with Frank Diaz, he'll be live, and then uh, our owner, John Katsimatidis, will be on from 6 until 10 in place of Bernie and Sid. I'd say, I was just telling our our program director that... um, it's amazing. John is literally a billionaire. He's coming into work on July 4th, coming into the studio, not not phoning it in from home or something. I mean, that's commitment. So I'm going to stick around for the first 40 minutes of that show as well uh, from 6 to 640 if you want to listen. So that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, Dominic's going to be on. I think we're all all the various on-air talent are going to be in. Now, somebody that um, might be having an awfully happy Independence Day is today's contestant in... The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Murray. Ah, uh, yes, and let's meet today's contestant, well-known listener, well-known caller to many of you, Chris in the Catskills. Hello, Chris. Hey, Frank. Has nothing to do with the quality of your radio program. Like I said, Joe Maloney said you're the perfect overnight radio host. I need to get my sleep. I was having a dream literally like two and a half minutes ago. Oh, well, 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 welcome. Great. Well, we're wishing you the best of luck on this one, Chris, okay? And Frank, by, by the way, that AM signal blasting out of the state of Nevada, think where that AM signal's traveling. Oh, yeah. No, no, no doubt about it. I, I pre- and we're on some FM stations out there as well, AM and FM out there. So uh, that's uh, it's finally I have the appropriate initials for it. All right, Chris, you know the rules, right? Yes, sir. Okay, let's get started. What day... Does the United States celebrate Independence Day? July 4th. Who did the United States declare independence from? England. Who was the primary author of the Declaration of Independence? Oh, God. Um, Who wrote the Declaration of Independence? Benjamin Franklin. Oh, Chris, what's the matter with you? Chris, Thomas Jefferson. 
Oh, man, I just woke up. <laughs> Chris, come on, man. Come on. This, I, I mean, that's... I don't think you deserve a consolation prize. You, you're a politician, Chris. You you run for office a hundred times. You know, you got to know. You should know Thomas Jefferson's name as well as your own. And I said uh, it five times today. Yeah, I fell asleep before. All right, before. all right, all right. Well, we'll stay on hold. We'll we like you anyway. You sent me that pizza that one time. So give Ryan your information. We'll we'll take pity on you and send you a a shirt or something. Guys, guys, it's July fourth. Remember the reason for the season, as it were. You don't know, Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson, TJ, president, uh, lawyer, statesman, first secretary of state. Pretty Im- impressive guy. You remember John F. Kennedy, when he was president, once had a meeting of a whole bunch of smart people. I think it was Nobel Prize recipients, and they all gathered at the White House. And he said, this is the greatest collection of minds ever assembled in the White House, with the exception of when Thomas Jefferson dined alone. That's, and he was saying, I mean, he was being funny, but it was a good point because Jefferson was such an accomplished guy and such a bright guy. Since, you know, the Me Too movement and the different way in which we view uh, minorities these days, Jefferson's legacy is looked at anew now because of uh, the fact that he had a relationship with a slave, the fact that he kept slaves, and I'm shocked that he's still able to survive on that $2 bill. You know the only reason he's able to survive on that $2 bill? Because most people don't even know that they still make $2 bills. I still go and get those $2 bills. When I'm at the bank, I get I ask for the twos, and I give them out. I find it's a great way. That is so unsurprising to me, by yeah, the way. I, please. It's dangerous now that you could control your own microphone. Um, that Yes, yes, that is, I am Jack's complete lack of surprise. By the way, by the way, let me say this about my friend Alex here, Barnard. So Friday we have our meeting, and uh, I say, you know, by the way, we had uh, Obi Murray on the other day. He basically sat in, almost like a co-host the other day. We had Obi Murray on, and at, towards the end of the show, he had some very nice words about coming in. And he said, you know what? I love coming in. Everybody should come in. I thought that's a nice thing. I thought maybe that's something we can make a promo out of. Maybe it's something that I could send guests when they want to participate on the phone rather than come in. And I said to Alex, hey, can you do me a favor? You don't have to do it now, but maybe next week, maybe Monday. Grab that audio of Obi Murray saying that. And Alex actually says to me with a straight face, he says, and this is why I'm sorry Matt Blaze isn't here to share this with me. He's he's on vacation this week. He, Alex says to me, I am going to have to try to find a way to remember that. And so I say, Alex, what about rather than challenging yourself to try to remember a relatively simple request, why not write it down? So that when you come in on Monday, you could see, all right, well, this is what I have to do. And your mind was blown by that. Now, aren't you glad I did write it down? I am indeed. I was shocked. I, I wasn't going to remind you today. I, I knew was, you wouldn't. I was shocked to see this clip listed on my cut sheet today. But sure enough, this is the, uh, this is the aforementioned clip, which Alex, at my urging and reminder, needed to, uh, he was able to write this down.
and figure out a way to remember to edit this. We'll give you the last 30 seconds, Mr. Obi Murray. What do you have to say for yourself? It's been a great your staff here, by the way. It's just like noon. You get lunch. You know what, Frank? You should get these guys lunch from Fitzalwinski across the street. We're, we're, I'm on me? a budget here. We're oh, on, I'm, I'm, gonna, never, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. on a budget. We're, but these the guys do okay. Here is amazing. It is. These guys have a lot of energy. Anybody you ask to be on this show to come suit should. I, mean, I agree it just, with you. It feeds itself. It's I agree fantastic. With you. Uh, you see the city come alive here. It's the true. whole thing. I mean, it's terrific. Wait until you see the sun me. come up in about a half hour. Seriously, thanks for being a, a warrior these last four hours. It's been a real treat Love to have it. you. Anytime you feel like uh, you Where's have the, insomnia, come on Where's in. the key? <laughs> so that was fun. And I'm glad uh, Alex was able to have the wherewithal to write that down. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, for everybody that's here on the holiday, working on the holiday, we have a fresh batch of my Aunt Camille's egg salad in the refrigerator, so everybody should enjoy that. But my Aunt Camille did complain when I picked this up that she has not been getting a lot of her Tupperware containers back. So let's save the container when we finish this batch of egg salad, because apparently this is her last one. So we don't want to do anything to disrupt the Tupperware, the, the egg salad production schedule. So let's just be mindful of holding on to the Tupperware container that this comes in. Joe is on Staten Island. Hello, Joe. Yeah, hi, Frank. I was calling about the beer jingles, but first I wanted to say to you, I think that you should be able to get Rheingold at the local shop right, right here on Staten Island. You're kidding. I know, I, are you not, sure? I'm not I, last, last summer, I, that's the last time I checked it out, they were carrying it in the, on the one on Highland Boulevard, the shop right. The so one in New Dork? The one in New Dork? The one yes, in New Dork? New Dork. Yes. Okay. You could call them first and make sure. I don't know. I will. I will. Yeah. When was the last time you saw it? Last summer. Oh, uh, I'm going to call them today. Okay. Um, now, beer jingles. There was a, a beer called Black Label Beer. I don't know if you remember it. <clears throat> but the jingle, I think the guy was singing to his wife, believe it or not. And, and all I remember about the jingle was very catchy. And he would go, Yoo-hoo, Mabel, black label beer. You know, like singing, calling for his wife to give him the black label I, you beer. You know, I, I like that. I've never heard that, I don't think, Joe. I'm going to look it up now. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a decent beer. I like, I like your version of it. That's pretty okay. good. All right. Joe, thank you for the tip on the Rheingold. I appreciate that. 800-848-9222. Peter calling from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, the land that gave us the Declaration of Independence, which was not written by Ben Franklin, although Ben Franklin was from uh, Pennsylvania as well. Hello there, Peter. Hey, Frank. Uh, yeah, that was that beer was Carling, Carling Black Label. Carling um, Black Label, okay. Carling, yeah. Uh, so parenthetically, before I get to my beer thing, uh, I, too, always get the $2 bills. And uh, uh, a funny story, I, I gave one to a kid, probably a 15-year-old high school kid, working at a, an ice cream stand. And uh, she looked at it and she said, I, I don't think I can take this. <laughs> and I said, well, it, I think you can. It's legal tender. And she had never seen it before. She, I said, if I give you a $3 bill, you should question it. <laughs> I said, but this bill is – and she had to call a manager and get the you know, Oh, my uh, goodness. You know. See, that's the worst. And, and, Peter, thank you for the call. The shame of the $2 bills is people think they're rare, so they don't spend them. So because they don't spend them, they don't get into circulation, and then they print fewer of them. And because they print fewer of them, people have fewer of them, and then they don't spend them. So it's this vicious cycle. The best thing you could do for the cause of the $2 bill is go to the bank, 
Load up on twos and spend it all over the place. You know the one place you do see a lot of twos? From what I've heard, I wouldn't know this firsthand, but from what I've heard, you see a lot at strip clubs. They use them to tip the the dancers at gentlemen's clubs, I should say. Excuse me. Because only gentlemen use $2 bills. Hey, we'll do 15 seconds of fame in just a moment. 800-848-9222. Say whatever you like for 15 seconds. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. who's a great guy. He called earlier. Um, I got to coordinate. Maybe we'll get Andy B to work with that bartender and me on a a beer jingle that somehow I can get a piece of somehow. That'd be nice. That's one of my claims to fame. Uh, Andy B, as you could hear, everyone always thinks he's drunk. He sounds drunk, but he doesn't drink. He just has one of those voices where he always just sounds drunk, but he is not. So uh, he's actually, as you could hear there, a very talented musician. All right. Uh, around this time of the show, we give you an opportunity to sound off for 15 seconds on any subject you like. We have one, two, three open lines. Now's the time. 800-848-9222 on this special Independence Day edition of... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Let me begin with Stan in Fort Lee. Hello, Frank. Uh, yes, uh... The Rheingold theme uh, from Wikipedia, when Nat King Cole became the first black entertainer to host the television show, adversaries stayed away, but not... Fred in Yonkers! Hey, Frank, it's my revelation that the people want to hear the Floridoris. So in honor of W. Allen B. Combs, we want the Floridoris, we want... Frankie in Glendale! Happy birthday to our great nation and to Joey from Ronkonkoma. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Yeah, I'll join you on the happy birthday, Joe from Ronkonkoma. Also, today would have been Calvin Coolidge's birthday if he was still around. Ralph is in New Jersey. Well, happy birthday to Mama Morano. Ralph, I got to let you go. I'm sorry. Your phone's all screwed up. Uh, but if it makes you feel any better, I understand that uh, Matt Blaze is hanging out with some of your countrymen this week, uh, folks from the Philippines, which is great. Hey, um, thanks for listening. You want to stay in touch? You can email me or find me on Twitter at Frank Morano. Uh, 